to the Butter Chicken Podcast, hosted by DJ Sherrod and DJ Juicy. Ooh. We focus on the stories of individuals who are making great impact in society and culture. The Butter Chicken Experience is well-cooked, thought-provoking conversation. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the vibes. You got the culture? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We are back, baby. Butter Chicken Podcast. Dope episode today. But before we get into that episode, Juicy, what up, bro? What's going on, Sherrod? How's everything? Man, I've been feeling so good. I've been feeling great lately, man. That's good, man. Tell tell me why. What's what's on your mind? What's going on? I just feel, um, you know, we got into this DJ game so many years ago, and there's... We've done so many things in our in our DJ careers, um, but sometimes there's periods where there's like not as much music coming out, and then sometimes you're getting a lot of music, but it's not really playable or stuff that might hit or or have long term effect in 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 the culture. And then there's those periods that hit that are like periods where it's like everyone's coming out with shit, where music is just coming at you from all angles, and it's really good and that kind of keeps me motivated as a dj i don't know about you but absolutely man it, it's exciting to hear um music new music come out and just like influx the market and just it's like how do you receive everything oh my god it's just so much stuff that you want to listen to and it's an exciting time and that actually it's funny but where where do you like let's talk about that a little bit actually where did you a lot of people know you're a dj a lot of people know that i'm a dj but a lot of people don't know uh, where you started collecting your music from and, and, and where that all came about. So why don't you share that a little bit with us? I'm a student of music, period. I love all types of music. Um, obviously, with our Desi background, that's always been right there. Um, and then hip-hop and R&B and reggae, that's you know the other side of music that I really, really love. But mm-hmm. ever since a young age, I traveled um, to London every single year okay. as, a, as a kid. I would go to London... I had family in Acton, London, Shepherd's Bush, London, West London. And the Asian scene that they call Asian, we call South Asian, has always been bubbling there. It's been bubbling for 30 years because the community is just larger there and, and has created impact really, really early compared to like South Asians in the States, which really started moving in the 70s or 80s. Mm-hmm. I feel like over there is where I sort of really got into urban, what we call is urban desi now. That's that that category of urban desi. Sure. They've been doing urban desi since, you know, Diamonds from Hira was being remixed and all the, all that stuff. So I've always been into UK music and then bringing it back here and then doing what we did with the 74th Street mixtapes and stuff like that. So most of your urban desi collections started or got lifted off the ground in London. Absolutely. And then 100%. what about when you were back at home? Like, where did you go to get those? 74th Street, Jackson Heights. I mean, that was the place prior to internet. Now it's now it's YouTube. Now it's Instagram. Now it's so easy to access music. But And that's the work, right? You got to put in the work to research artists and DM people and hit people and find management and figure out who's doing what and, and get, obtain records that way. But back in the day, it was just go to the store, pick up CDs, go through mad CDs, and sometimes buy a lot of garbage, too, just to get the good stuff. Yeah. You remember those days? Of course, of course, yeah. That still was on the block. Still on the block. We actually had a lot of those CDs out in that market as well. Um, but we came, you know, in the me personally, in, in the earlier part of the 2000s, and you were before that as well. But So do you remember one of the biggest records on Still on the Block? 
Tell me some of the records on Still on the Block or one of your favorite records on Still on the Block. Um, Akia. That was a big track for me. Um, Los, who, Los who did that record? Oh, man. I can't remember, right? I can't remember. I could pull up the track list, but I'm not going to cheat. Okay. Um, Luz Luz Carda, that's another big one for okay. me. Okay, that was hot fire. Did we do that with the remix? We did. We, we went back to back. speed on it. Yeah, yeah. That was fire. Yeah, but uh, but music, man, the evolution of the urban desi music, as we call it now, is has been so beautiful to watch and blossom. And We've seen a lot of artists come and go in that time, right? A lot, a lot. A lot of artists come and go in that time. One of my favorite records on that tape. Mm-hmm was by an artist who I've stood by, who I've felt is uh, one that is a cut above everybody, kind of stands out, his track record's super long, uh, and that's Rackstar. Rackstar. Rackstar had an ill record on that mixtape. Do you remember it? Tell me. Refresh my memory. That record was such a dope record, man, and it has such a good story to it. And, you know, for the average rap listener, they might be like, oh, that's a cool love song. Mm-hmm. Um, but for people who listen to bars and listen to rap music and who understand, you know, punchlines and understand what making a record that tells a, a, a deep emotional story, this record just really, really did it for me, man. This record mm-hmm. really, really did it. You remember this shit? Of course I remember this. Keep It Undercover Keep was it such undercover. a fire record, and that was kind of what put me on to Rockstar. Right. I, me too. This was the first one that I heard. That made me realize, like, this is something different and new and exciting. Absolutely. And I think more than uh, anything was You hear that? That's crazy. That's great production. That is. I wonder if that's a sample or if they played that or what. Ooh, this shit was crazy. This shit was... It's still... I bump the shit all the time. Like, early, late night, and people still come up to me. But we'll save that for later. But that record was just fire. and, And, you know, for a record that's 12 years old to still hit today... That's on some like that's impactful. That's super impact, and that's like, you know, when you talk rap and you talk about artists like Jay Z, and you talk about an artist like Drake, who's like a just a full three sixty artist. Like from the South Asian community, if you really look at it, who do you say is that guy? Rockstar, one hundred percent, one thousand percent for sure. And without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, New York City and worldwide Butter Chicken Podcast listeners. I want to introduce you to our special guest in studio today, my man, one of the greatest from the UK, worldwide, amazing MC, rapper, clothing brand owner, super swaggerific, my man, rock star straight out of London, UK. What's up, bro? Yo, what's going on, man? It's a pleasure to be here, man. What an intro. So hopefully I can live up to that intro. <laughs> Welcome to the show, man. Thank, Thank you for you. being here today. It's a pleasure, man. Uh, as Sherrod mentioned, man, there's uh, uh, not too many people in, in our community that, you know, we really look at and, and can say that have been about our culture and about our community. And, and you are definitely one of those icons that have been relevant. Icon, man. That's, that's a big word. Yeah. That's a big that, word, that have been relevant for some time, man, and uh, for, for over a decade at least. And, um, you know... Tell us what we're here to do today. We want to know Rackstar. We want to hear about Rackstar and understand your story a little bit better. And I think what we're going to start with is um, tell us a little bit about where you come from, man, and and, and your upbringing. Well, um, not to to correct you, Sherrod, I mean, Luton's right next to London as well. Man, that shit is all London. (laughs) UK, that's it. But I'm from from Luton, which is slightly outside of London. It's about half an hour north of London. Respect. Um, And yeah, growing up, I grew up um, around a very multicultural community. 
um, and not just like Asian community, uh, black people, white people, and even the Asians were different Asians. So we had our, our group circle of friends was, you know, Gujarati, Bengali, um, Pakistani, uh, Kenyan. So it was just a mix of everything. Were you about to say Kenyan? Yeah. A lot of Indians from Kenya, right? Yeah, yeah, You know yeah. I'm from Kenya. Oh, really? Well, my mom is from Kenya. Okay, dope, dope, yeah. dope. Yeah, there's a lot. Uh, in England, there's a bunch of people, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, a real real community in England um, of Indians that were thrown out of Kenya, right? Thrown out of Kenya. Yeah, yeah. so it's Idi Amin days. Yeah, very, very interesting story. But um, yeah, so I, I feel like all of that was a big, big influence on me just growing up around that, having those uh, people around me to expose me to different things. Um, and... Yeah, I don't know. Everyone I grew up with just fell in love with hip-hop at a certain time. So Why do you think that? Like hip-hop versus, like, say, just I, Asian music or versus, like, say, um, rock or reggae or whatever it may be? I think it's the sound of the rebellion, right? It's just, it's just the voice of the voiceless. Like everything that hip-hop stands for is it's, 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 it's it's the voice of people who feel like they're on the outside. And I think as a teenager, growing up in a country where you're not from, you feel like you're trying to find yourself and you're trying to figure out who you are. And you can relate to hip-hop. I, I could relate to hip-hop music, but everyone related to it. Everyone that I went to school with, everyone in my kind of social circle, we all just related to hip-hop a lot. I think it's funny because we, we actually talk about that all the time, of, of being children of, of immigrants, identifying our culture that our parents instill in us versus the culture and the society that we live in today. Yeah. How do you find that balance? Like, who, wh- where do you belong in that mix? And, yeah. and, and to attest to your point and touch on your point, really, um, hip-hop is one of those things that I feel, I share the same sentiment as you, that it kind of brings everything back to tie into this specific lane. And that was one of the genres of music that I started to listen to as well. And the other thing was... Um, I mean, Apache Indian was a really, really big deal for me. Heavy, mm-hmm. heavy. And I, I've only, I think maybe in the five, past five or six years, just looked back at growing up and realized how much of a big influence Apache Indian was on I me. I just followed him on the gram, man. Yeah. Oh, he's on Bro. the gram. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, trying to get, I'm trying to get him yeah, here. Yeah, you need yeah. to, man. I feel like that story has not been told, and no. he's not given the due credit that he deserves Ooh. because he has... That's why I fucks with you, Rags. Bro, I mean, I mean, people try and take credit for being the first people to do Punjabi or Asian music, whatever influence, like, you know, kind of bring two kind of cultures together. Like that, what but we're Apache saying, what Indian, everyone's calling urban Desi, Apache right? Indian was the first. Hands down, he was the first. Was he Was he in the same exact time as Bali Sugu, or does he precede Bali Sugu? I would say he was before. Wow. Mm. We're have or to around that same kind of time. Wikipedia is a liar. But, 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 but <laughs> Bali Sugu, again, I mean, as an artist, he was a producer. Right, right, right. right he right. wasn't, he wasn't like we blue peter as a tv show that we would have in england it was for children bro right i'd never seen a brown person on blue peter apache okay. indian performed on blue peter singing his song arranged marriage oh no chuck day i think chuck it was. day was yeah. first yeah chuck don, day. don raja and chuck day that whole that record was before yeah arranged marriage yeah no reservations yeah, yeah, EP. Yeah. he was in patois english and Punjabi on a mainstream TV channel in like 1994 or something. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. I remember when Apache, and at that time when it was bubbling, think this is pre-internet, this is pre-IG, yeah. this is pre-Twitter, yeah. this is OG shit. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. So at that time when he was bubbling, he was the first definite artist that was of that 
what we say urban and he was respected by everyone oh heavy like the black community fucked with him Mm -hmm. you had the mainstream fucked with him and asian people they loved him right and like i still do like people still do because he was the one man are we seeing seeing apache indian uh rack star record on your album you know what i've met apache a couple i'm just starstruck man when i meet (laughs) (laughs) it's like that your fanboy yeah yeah, yeah, like proper man like (laughs) he was such a big influence on me man i just read something now that he's doing um he's doing like he does like a school or something in birmingham Birmingham, yeah, yeah, about yeah. teaching kids music. And yeah, stuff. yeah. I've been to that academy. It's, it's amazing what he's done, man. Like, wow, that's he's, amazing. He's, he's yeah, he, and he's so humble, man. Like, if he, he even knew who I was, I was just gassed. I was like, yo, Patsy knows who I am. Yeah, of course, he has to know who you are, though. But it, it's funny that you say that because, like, what I've been telling everyone about the South Asian hip hop and urban daisy community now, what I truly feel uh, is that what's happening in our music in our scene now is what happened to rap in hip-hop in 93 to 97. Okay, okay. Where 93 to 97, if you remember those years, it was like everyone came out, but they came out after a generation of people who were already out, Mm. who maybe didn't make it as far. Mm. And now, like, where we are in 2018 is what rap was in 93 to 97, where all those guys who... Mm. You look at the Jay-Zs and everyone in that sort of category, the Nas's, Eminem, everyone who was coming out then mm. made it to this extreme level and mm. took their music careers to this, to these other spaces. Yeah, it was a complete level up, wasn't it? A hundred percent. But those guys, like, you know, came after Rakim and Big Daddy Kane and KRS. people like KRS. Exactly. And those guys maybe not have made it so far. So mm. similarly, like where Rax is now, and you saying like, Apache Indian technically influenced what we do or what we do as a culture, mm. but he hasn't been given his dues, but Rax is here to kick down more or, doors and then set it up for yeah, yeah. future generations. I feel like it's, I mean, amongst my peers, when I talk to them, I feel like it's our responsibility. Like nobody, I feel like nobody did this for us. And maybe it was their, it wasn't, they weren't able to do it. They weren't able to lay a foundation or open doors and they weren't able to do this. Maybe that's me making excuses for them. Maybe what do you mean by that? I feel like people get to a certain level and they kind of look down at, at other Asian artists or they kind of... Like Asian artists? Yeah. That's fucked up, right? They either do that or they want to be the only one. They don't want to be like, okay, cool, look, there's a whole scene of people that are amazing artists. They can come through as well. They want to be the poster child of whatever this is. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. That's you, just, you don't seem like that guy, though. I, I feel like it's our responsibility as artists to push things and lay a foundation so people can come through. I want to know who's coming after me. Who's the guy who's going to push this even further than I've taken it? Or who's going to... There needs to be more of us. And there is more of us. There are so many talented people that look like us. They're just not given the opportunities. And sometimes it comes down to an artist recognizing that in someone else and pushing them and, and giving them a hand and just saying, look, you can do this as well. Well, what, in, what inspires you with that thought process period or just even to rap and, and do this when... I mean, I'm sure, like, when you first came out, was everyone, like, embracing it and saying, oh, Rax, yeah, better come do rap music. Like, oh, come to this, like, you know what I mean? Like, how, how was, how did that, how did, like, your parents? My parents were always really cool. I was always the odd odd one out, so I did a lot of creative things growing up, um, which is completely different. I have an older brother and a younger brother. Okay. And I'm the odd one out. Um, is their last name Star also? Mm, there it is. Isn't <laughs> <I>. <laughs> I'm the odd one out. I think I have middle child syndrome a little bit as well. Okay. Um, so I, 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 I was always creative. I liked acting. I would, I'd, I'd do things 
um, performing-wise, um, talent shows, things like this at school and college and stuff. I actually studied drama and film in university. Um, so I was always interested in creative things in the so arts. So you finished university? Yeah. That was, was that a big thing for your family to be It like? was. I was the first person in my family to go to university. Wow. So wow, that, was a, that, was a, that was a big thing. Um, and music just was another thing that I kind of did on the side. And okay. what, mean, what year is that now? What, 2004, 2005. So this is right before we heard of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we heard of you probably late 05. Yeah, yeah. 05 was when 06. we dropped Keep It Undercover. Right. So... Yeah, I literally finished uni in 05, I think, in March. Okay, so you're like 21, 22 at that yeah, time. Yeah, I was 21. And so... 21, and you were yeah. already doing music prior yeah, yeah, to... Yeah, I, I had done... Up until that point, I had released maybe five mixtapes. Wow, okay. I don't even have those. Nobody has those. I used to rap in an American <laughs> accent. And it's quite oh, I need that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's, are those at? It's terrible. Are they on the net? No, Can no, I find no, them? No, you won't find them. <laughs> so Were they in South Hall or like in, on those streets? So what, what, I would, what I would do was basically, um, this is when like, the internet was really quite new as well. MySpace. So, MySpace days. So mm-hmm. what I did, this is even before MySpace. Napster. Yeah. yeah so you'd, you'd be able to download instrumentals. So okay. obviously you'd buy the CD singles and sometimes, you know, I remember buying Hypnotize. It had the Hypnotize instrumental on there. Okay, right. Absolutely. You'd have a bunch of songs that have instrumentals. So what I would do is I would write my own songs to these instrumentals. Okay. I had a USB microphone for my PC. Wow. I would record my vocals. So no engineer? No, nothing. No Sunit yet? No, no, no We're going to get to Sunit. Yeah, I, need we'll to, to I need to meet this guy. <laughs> <laughs> so literally, I would have uh, two tracks. I would have the instrumental and I would have my vocal. I would mix the files What program down. were you using? Cool Edit Pro. Wow. wow. On a PC. I so I would mix those two files down. Who taught I, you how to use Like, what was I, the... I, you know what's funny? I think I downloaded a demo version, which oh. you could only use for half an hour. So I'd learned how to record <laughs> and mix myself self in like half an hour because you could only use it for a half an hour. Now, now, just pause for a second. Do you come from a family that that has paper, that had money already, nah. that could help you out? Or nah. were you like... What, what was it like even to get a computer? We were, we were working... I mean, my mum and dad worked really, really hard. So they okay. would try and do the best that they could. Um, I remember when we bought uh, our PC, it was like a yearly plan or something that they had to do mm. to okay. pay for it. Right, 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 right. You couldn't just go to the store and no, be like, no, not let me get that. Um, and it was a big deal. It was, like a, it was in our living room, like the, the PC. Everyone had a share. Everyone, yeah, everyone would use it. Um, dial up. Dial up internet, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, so cool, cool Edit Pro. I learned how to use that in half an hour. And I would email the people who, who released the software. I emailed them. I was like, how can I make these two um, files into one file? And then they emailed me back and gave me a step-by-step how to do it in the software. Edit, mix down to file, both of those files. Um, so, yeah, I would do that. I did that like... The first one that I did was like 10. These are these mixtapes you were talking yeah, about? Yeah, so it was actually a tape. So my first one was a cassette. So what I did was 10 songs. Okay. Um, All would, to like industry beats. Yeah. Like hypnotized um, or whatever. I had um, Goody Mob. Okay. There was a song, I can't remember which, the name of it now, but I looped. I learned how to loop as well. So I looped like a little 20 seconds from the beginning of that. I made that into a full song. Okay. Um, so it was like a, a, just a loop and then you spitting over yeah. it. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So I had 10 songs. I would play them from my uh, software on my computer, a Windows Media Player, whatever it was. Press record. I would connect it up with an aux lead to my little stereo that I had, mm-hmm. press record on my tape, and I recorded like a couple of tapes. Then I think... So you were really taking advantage of whatever technology yeah, was available to you at the time. You yeah, weren't yeah. just on some like I want to rap. No, you no. really would. And doing I was what so naive that I would get numbers for labels and I would send these tapes out with literally no information, just like a tape, like, like what label? a physical cassette tape. 
Yeah. Wow. So uh, Prince Nassim had a record label. I okay. sent a tape to him, I remember. Um, I don't know what other labels, man. I think I would just find them on the back of the CD right, singles. Right. I'd find it. Just so did people hit, maybe, hit you back? No, no one ever, no one ever hit me back. <laughs> what, do you still have these tapes? I've got the file somewhere on wow. an old computer. And um, yeah, I made a bunch of tapes. I would give them out. And then CDs, I started doing CDs because obviously CD burning became a bit more affordable. Right, right. So I did that again for my next mixtape. And, and you were giving the stuff out. You were yeah, looking so to sell I, it. I, I worked for Staples at this time. Okay. I think statute of limitations is over now. So <laughs> I, I used to steal like a bunch of stuff from there. Yeah, to, you're good. I used, to, come at you. I used to take... It's <laughs> time to see me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I think they've gone bankrupt in England as well. Nah, They're, not right They're still here. They're still popping over here. But yeah, I used to steal blank CDs, burn like 100 CDs, and I would just go to college or school. When I was at school at the time, and then I went to college afterwards. Um, you would call that uni here. So right, it's right. like two years after school, so mm-hmm. 17, 18 burn like a hundred CDs and I would give them out at, at college to people just whoever wanted it I would give it to them and then people that I knew would be listening to my songs like classmates or whatever whatever and I started building a slow slowly started building a little name for myself locally what was the what was the girls telling you at that time girls mm, I wasn't very very popular well I don't know because you're rapping right and then there's all these like you know what it was there was a stigma as well though to it Explain that to me. Who are these Asian guys trying to be black? Like, mm. why, are you, why are you trying to rap for? Like, you know, stick, whatever. Do you know what I mean? There was a big stigma around, even if you were rapping about things which were actually true to you. I mean, you see it with Eminem. Like, you know, he had to talk about that a lot when he first came out. I'm a right. white rapper. Talk about his own stuff. And people took him more seriously. One, because of the skill level. And two, because right. he wasn't bullshitting. He was actually talking about his life and his own story and whatever, whatever. Right. Um, and eventually, you know, he went to pop. Yeah. And mm. it just, it took off for him. Exactly. And he opened it up for whoever would come after exactly. him. Now it's not like, oh, who's this white rapper? It's like, oh, right. who's this rapper? Right. So well, like like the g Easy's of the world today could maybe credit that yeah. Eminem was able to just open it up for them. Definitely. Yeah. And they should. And I feel like at that time, there, was, there wasn't even an Eminem. There wasn't even a white rapper. So for me to rap, it was like... Actually, yeah, I think there was. I think M came out in '97, right? '98. Yeah, and yeah, yeah and around no that time, time around yeah. that kind of time. So he was around, but it was still kind of looked down upon. You couldn't have another white rapper come out. I know Bubba Sparks kind of came out a little bit around then, but so for you now, doing being a rapper in the Asian scene and all these Punjabi singing groups are out, or mm. these a lot of this R and B is out. You're coming here putting out bars. Mm. Girls are looking at you funny. Are people closing their door on, on your face, or are they are they um, saying, "Hey, we'll listen," or "Always oh, support you"? Like, what I, was that time? It was like? a mix of both. I mean, people did like what I did, mm-hmm. um, and there was support because if there wasn't, I wouldn't have probably carried on. Right at that time, do you know that it's in 2018? You're going to still be rapping, nah, making money, doing nah. this. Uh, People used, always used to always ask me what your what's your five year ten year plan and I would never have one. I would just be like I don't know. I would just I was just trying to see how things went. Is that still the case today, or is there a stronger not, vision at this point? Not as much as it used to be. There is there's more of a definitely more of a vision now. Okay. Just cr- even creatively, I kind of know what I want to do and what I want to kind of pursue. Um, but then it was just I think I was trying to figure out my voice as well. I didn't really know who I was like a young like sixteen seventeen year old kid. I didn't really. Right, didn't really know who I was, so I was just using music as a way to kind of mm. figure that out as well. 
Right. Um, what about your siblings? Are they were they supporting you throughout this process too? Or? Yeah. I mean, do they rap? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so different to my brothers. Like, okay, what do they know, do? My my older brother's very practical. He's okay. like an engineer, so he's very very practical. Okay. Super reliable, like the most reliable. And they would support me when I had video shoots and stuff. Like, uh-huh. my older brother would, you know, if I needed something, he would be there. He would, you know, I can drop this off, pick this up. Right. You can use this of mine, whatever, whatever. Um, and my younger brother too, like. You know, he's younger than me, but you know, he was. They're always, they've always been supportive. They've always kind of respected what I did. Are the elder and younger married, or? And my older brother's married. And your younger brother? No, no, yeah. And you not either. No, got it. So there's like now I see like when I even just being at the pop up, I would see last year, mm. I would see random girls like be in the corner, like oh my god, that's Rackstar. <laughs> like, see, I didn't see that. You might have seen. That. <laughs> I see that. We, I see dudes like fanboying hard. Yeah, like, dudes do it a lot. I see dudes <laughs> doing it a lot. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. It's like yo, Rax. Like yeah. I, when when you came in the party, I was like, oh, Rax is here. I gotta play Rax's records. And as soon as I started playing those records, yeah. I would see like dudes like oh shit, that's Rax. And girls like in the corner like I want to take a selfie and make sure Rax. <laughs> Like I, as a DJ, you know you're the, yeah. you're in the center of the party, so yes. we see from the peripheral and then dead center. We see everything. You should point happens. things out, bro. Say, Rex, look, a couple of spices over there. Want to take pictures? <laughs> spices? Yes. Is that? Is, do we say? No. Nah, I never heard that in my life. Say shorties. Shorties. Yeah. A couple of spices, bro. Spices. I like so like cardamom and pepper. Yeah, what type of spices like, do you like? Spice we all like spices, don't we? What's that? We all like some. So like, do you, so girls are known as spices. Is that a UK thing? That, yeah, I mean it's a UK slang. Yeah, people say that. I've heard, uh, what, what are some of the other UK words you've heard? Have you heard anything, Juice? Uh, I don't know. I just know that they say in it a lot. In after, it. After, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They say in it. In they it. Say, I've heard bonk, uh, bonkers. Bon- wankster. No, a wanker. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what yeah. the fuck does that mean? <laughs> can we say it on, we say it on the thing? Yeah. yeah. So podcast. We say no BBC. Wanker is, is someone real. who masturbates. If you're wanking, <laughs> you're wanking. Wanker. You're I wanker. know that. Yeah, I knew yeah. that. All right, let's pause on that. Really. <laughs> pause. Super pause. Super pause. So, jerk off. <laughs> That's a wanker. <laughs> yeah, jerk off. Words. So, so Rax, like, who were, who were some of the, I know Apache Indian influenced you or just at least kicked it down and yeah. kind of made you, made you see that this is, this is real, but who are some of the artists that, influenced your sound or people that you listen to both from say the south asian side yeah. and then also from um the Amer- i've heard in common. another interview that america really inter- yeah. like really common american rap is common i think like water for chocolate is the most influential album for me in my whole career okay mm. explain that to me like why um so when is this like 2000 like do you think your fan base knows who common is like the young younger i don't age. think so right i don't think so so what? What anyone who's had keep it undercover should know who Common is because, because of the, it was inspired by, by yep. I used to love her. Mm-hmm. Explain that to me. Explain that to the listener. So let's um, dissect that a little bit because yeah. I don't think people know that. So I used to love her is a classic hip hop song. Mm-hmm. It's where Common talks about hip hop as if she was a woman, and people are doing her. When right. you listen to the song for the first time, you think, "Oh, this is some, about a girl." Yeah, this yeah. is some girl who's getting fucked by all these guys and whatever, whatever. Right, and. At the end, he finds you say he says the woman I'm in because uh, the woman I'm in love with is hip hop. No, he doesn't say that. He says, "Oh, I can't even remember the line now, bro. I haven't heard we'll, the song we'll for a while." But yeah, he he basically tells you that he's talking about hip hop. Absolutely, as a woman, and I think I knew the concept before I heard the song. Someone told me about the concept before I heard the song. Is that what got you into Common? No, not at all. Actually, mm. I heard that after I heard like What of a Chalk. I think I heard the light first. Okay, mm. the light was just yeah. The light was the first song favorites. that I heard, and I can't even remember. I think I might have heard it on radio or. And that was a love song. That was an ill love song. So that like made it like a dude who has bars 
yeah, could make could love song. Could rap about love. And yeah, I think the the biggest thing for me was we have to remember the time period, like the type of hip hop that was popular at that time was not. That kind of hip hop. What kind of hip hop? It was shiny suits, bro. Yeah, yeah. mid nineties, late nineties, mid nineties, early two thousand. And I was a massive Mace fan. Still, you I'm a big massive Mace fan. Uh, no Way Out was a really influential album for me as well. Ninety seven. I was, was a massive Busta Rhymes fan. Um, ah, so you, you're really strikes. you're really in the hip hop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I remember the first song that I learned uh, word for word was probably Regulate. Okay, Warren G. And that was when it kind of came out as well, so 94, 95. So you were listening to stuff from the West, from the East, it didn't matter. Yeah, I mean, it was all America. We did, uh, to be honest, at that time, you didn't know what was West or East or whatever. It's kind of like Luton in London. Like, yeah, you yeah. just don't it was, know. Yo, it's American hip-hop, it's man. American it's sick. Hip-hop. Like, whatever London is. is London. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So um, I, when I heard The Light and when I heard the album, and l- later on when I heard um, Reflection Eternal, the Talib Kweli and High Tech album, that was a big influence as well. But the biggest thing was... Yo, this guy is actually... It's like poetry. Absolutely. Like, things he's yeah, saying he are so real. It's poetry. It, there's no bragging. There's no um, showing off. There's nothing about a car and a jewelry. He's talking about his life. He's talking about his emotions, how he feels. It's very, very honest, and it felt really real. I think they even give it like a, a subgenre, a conscious hip-hop. Yeah. Yeah. And I just thought to myself, this is someone that can do that, so I could do that as well. Mm. Like Despite I, the fact that you're aging, and yeah, you I mean that didn't blasted. even play a part to me at that point. Okay. I was so naive that I thought that it doesn't matter what I look like or where I'm from, as long as this. Like I didn't even. I think when I first started, I was like, I didn't even want people to know what I look like. I just want people to hear the songs and whatever, whatever, and then they can make a judgment. It's, it's interesting you say na- you were naive. You said that more than once so yeah. far that you were naive, meaning like you you lacked the knowledge mm. in the sp- in the space of the music world. Is yeah, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because okay. I have I, I have no uh, knowledge of that. So at all. so fast forward then to now all of a sudden in '05 I'm in the mixtape game with Juicy. We're doing mixtapes here in the states, mm. and we would I would literally go to London, go to go to South Hall, that main what is that Broadway? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd go to South Hall Broadway and I'd pick up CDs and I'd we'd sift through yeah hundreds we'd, we'd of A and R. We basically A and R to yeah. find thirty songs to put on a mixtape. And we find this song, Keep It Undercover. And then there's a remix of Keep It Undercover, which I don't know if you even know about it, but uh, it's a dull mix of, of the record. Yeah, Sunnit did that as well. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. But we find that, and I'm like, then I start doing research and find, saying, who is this guy? And I realize that then you have a whole album with this guy, Sunnit. Yeah. Mm. Who, who's Sunnit, and what did he bring to the table, and how did that come about? So um, we have to go back again. Okay, so we're all over the place, right? Yeah, yeah. That's the beauty of a podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, so we, have to, we have to go a little, a little further back because I had a little dip in the industry before I actually met Sunnit. Okay, so, so tell us about that. That's important. So when I was on the internet, um, mm-hmm. I'd set up my website and I'd start doing my songs or whatever, whatever, and I would just like look for other artists, or whatever, whatever, to find out people who were doing things on. Asians or everybody? Yeah, yeah, just people who were pop, like maybe doing things better than I was, or okay. other artists. Or but specifically Asian, you're looking at, or like just generally, I think okay. I was just looking at. But maybe I, I don't know how I stumbled across it. But basically, 
so Rishi Rich had uh, a series. Rishi Rich was uh, famous at that time, anyway. Nineties. So this is like uh, this is probably two thousand, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So he's he's already like a, if not a household name, he's a very very famous guy already. We love Rishi Rich. Yeah, yeah. Rishi yeah. like legend. Legend. Super. So Rishi had um, a, a series of albums called Pure Garage at that time because mm-hmm. Garage was quite big in the UK at that time. Garage music. Yep. Um, which is basically house music with the L bass lines. Yeah, yeah. or drum and bass. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. Like yeah. It's like an amalgamation of the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you've got... Um, so it's Rishi, Don D, and Mentor. There were three people that were doing these albums. Don D was the reggae That's singer, right, yeah. and Mentor was Rishi's brother, right? It's, I think the cousins, but cousins, he was the producer yeah. The producer as well, as well yep. So mm-hmm. Mentor um, Beats. Yeah, Mentor, I found his website on um, the internet. It's so crazy, right? Like website. You're looking yeah. at... Now we just look at the gram. And they, had, and they had a guest book, so you could sign people's websites. Wow. That's how old this is. Yeah, yeah. So I think yeah, I absolutely. signed his guest book and I was like, maybe, ch- you know, check Were out. you Rackstar at this yeah, time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had a rackstar.cjb.net or something. I had some website. That no, dot com? No, I couldn't afford dot com. <laughs> it was, ch- okay. It was gotcha. expensive dot com. Cjb.net was free. Yeah. <laughs> ah, okay. Gotcha. So, um, and then I, I'd uploaded little 30 second clips of stuff that I'd done okay. on, on, on my, industry beats. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And I think Mentor, or I, I don't even know if I did that. I think I might have just written lyrics out. So I think I remember message, or leaving something on Mentor's website. He got in touch with me. We started speaking to each other. And he was like, look, it'd be good to get you in a studio. I went down to his place. Now, this is Richie Rich's studio. No, no, this is Mentor's Separate studio. studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. I hadn't met Richie at this point. Now, this is a real legit, or is this a home studio? It's kind of a home studio setup. Okay. But and and what year was this? This was 2003. Through, no, 2000, 2000, I think, or 2001. Okay, Rishi's about to explode. Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. Mentor's so, about to go right But they've already done amazing things. Right, like right, Pure right. Garage 1 and 2 had already been out. Pure Garage 2 was like a classic, so right. everyone was listening to that. But, but for the listener, just so you understand, I've been around for this whole thing, and that exploded and it was really big in UK. Mm-hmm. But it really wasn't beyond. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, you would only know about that if you went to the UK. Yeah. But in New York, we didn't know Rishi, it, or the people didn't know. Yeah. That sound. Well, that yeah. garage was a very UK, UK sound. thing, yeah. right? So, so yeah. it wasn't hitting India. No, it wasn't hitting Dubai. It no. wasn't. Hit, it was just purely big within yeah. that. And back then, UK was so insular. Uh-huh. Like we had our own stars, we had our own whatever, whatever. Sound. And it's. I feel like it's still like that. Yeah, yeah. right. Very, I'd say. I'd say to a certain extent, not as much as it used to be. Now there's a big influence of things that are coming from outside that people love. Absolutely. Whereas then, I felt like we were the center of like UK was like the center of the world for Asian music. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Sure. So we had, uh, we had everything coming out from there. I mean, if you look at even UDC, mm. all the, all the headliners are basically UK. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, that's, and that's crazy. Like how many years, however many years later, but, but that's dope. Yeah. I but mean, the influence, I think the influence of outside has played a bigger part more recently than it did back then. Interesting. Cause back then, I mean, I wasn't really making music from, like, at this kind of level then. So I'm not, right. I can't really talk for everyone. But sure. I feel like but, people... But, were, but Mentor invites you to the studio yeah. and what happens? So um, he got me to rap on this record um, for Pure Garage 3, which I did. I think I did a 16 bar or something. Okay. Um, and then that was released on Pure Garage 3, which okay. was amazing. How much did you get paid for that? I think I got £100 for that. That's not bad. Which was amazing. Yeah, I, I had the check. It was signed by Rishi. Wow. wow. Yeah. You still have a copy? Like I wish I did, man. I thought I had a copy, but I think I, I must have. So they, they just paid you outright for a feature and yeah. no, like, no royalties yeah. no, or no, 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 no. nothing that. And it, I remember it got played on 
radio like in the middle of the night on one radio station and my friend phoned me and he's like bro look and, and this was a mainstream station or a no no it was, a, it was a Dissy station like a sunrise radio yeah yeah something like that that was a big station so it was man. a big big deal for me um you're Fast going crazy now. Yeah. Not even crazy. It was just like, oh, wow. Okay, cool. Like, That's it? You, yeah. You weren't jumping or like... like. Not really. I was... I was. I felt like... Okay, cool. Okay. Let's let's see what... We what got something happen. here. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, fast forward <clears throat> to maybe a year or so later. And um, I met Rishi at this point or whatever, whatever. Like, I think they had a studio little set up. And you're a fan at this point. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. I'm a big fan. Like, right. I, I, was, I was super, super... Um, grateful to be a part of that whole thing basically at that time sure um so mentor invites me down to work on a remix for a song that juggy's doing for his album okay and that song was called nushi okay and that was actually that actually ended up on his album on juggy's album um so now they like these big producers and artists are, are rocking with you yeah well I, I, that was kind of my first kind of foray into that kind of thing and then like even then i didn't really know how what was going to happen was it was it going to be a big deal was it going to right you know whatever it was and i was still studying at that time as well so okay. like i feel like i was just trying to f- figure it out as well for myself absolutely um but i did that and i was quite excited so i was working with mentor on some other things and um he was going to put together his own like crew and um like they had the rishi rich project project had absolutely. come out by then 2.9 yeah so 2.9 billy, billy thornton was the, what was the guy's name billy Billy and Billy, Billy and this other guy. I can't yeah, remember. yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, that, that had popped off basically. Right. So Jay, Juggy, Rishi, it all popped off. So this that was dance with you. Yeah. And mentor was like, look, Massive. I'm gonna come with my project next. For a second, when that record hit, yeah. What what is happening to Asians in the like People what are, are you guys nuts, saying? Bro. People are going nuts. Because that to me is like a turning point yeah. in the entire yeah. Urban Asian scene, period. People like, are going. Ape that's shit. like after Apache Indian was yeah. that, and not only uh, that. Actually, Mundi Atabachike was there. Mundi Atabachike the was there. But the the biggest thing was this is actually a good song. Like it's a good song, and there's talented people on this song. You guys, what what are you saying mentally in your head when you come like, hear this right? Shit, like it's gonna go now. Like got something. Does we it got make something. you say we? I can really do this now. More so, I was I was happy that people that looked like me were there in that space absolutely not necessarily that it was me or that i could do this it was more yes that's us okay so there was definitely some support from your side you everywhere so even back then you were this supportive sort of person you were never like oh like a hater or like i mean there's some artists that i felt like that about (laughs) when i feel like they're not authentic or okay we don't have to talk about them right yeah Yeah. it's if i if i don't sometimes i don't get it some other people will get it i'll be like cool like more so now i'm older i'll be like okay cool like do your thing back then back then i was a little bit because i hadn't achieved it myself it might have been a bit of resent there now now you respect the hustle yeah yeah and i know how much hard work hard hard work goes into it to get to that point sure but um yeah so basically i did that thing with juggy mentor was going to put his own project together he didn't end up using me for his project okay um i was a little bit disheartened at this time because of that that why why doesn't he use you like what was his reason um i'm not i mean i'm not 100 percent sure to be honest i think maybe what he was looking for was not what i was kind of 
doing? Were you now rapping at that time the way you spit Punjabi, English, Punjabi, no. English? All English. All English, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's what everyone would do. Everyone was doing That's that. the Mets and Tricks time. Mets and Tricks was before that time. And that's Swami Barakas. Swami's around during that time is when I was popping, when, uh, when we started doing and stuff. And that's when I start. Me and Juicy yeah, really start studying. Yeah. And we're like, yo, What's, these, what are these sounds coming out of like the UK? Like these brown kids are rapping. They're ahead of us, but rap came out in our yeah, city. Yeah, yeah. And like no one in New York was doing except for Nivla. But we embraced yeah. it and we wanted to showcase it. We did. Yeah. Yeah. We there was were, a lot of guys popping here as well. I mean, you've just mentioned Nivla. Nivla. Uh, Sarah. Sarah, um, yeah. Sarit had that whole digital dissy yeah, renegade yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah. You were part on. of that. You were on that yeah. record with Nivla. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So I, I felt like it was, it was, there was excitement like kind of everywhere. It was, it was excitement, but it wasn't like, I guess the grass is always greener. Mm. And we were like over here doing mixtapes and thro- throwing parties and people would perform at the parties. Yeah. But we didn't have the outlets that the UK had okay. in terms of the big Asian markets. Yeah, we just yeah. had 74th Street and Edison yeah. and then parties. And, and I also think, sorry to cut you off, but I think that the other part is, is that the evolution in the UK was, was so much ahead. ahead yes. 10, 20 years ahead so of us. So people didn't embrace it right away yeah. over here. Right. We had, we had um, Scene was bigger. You had yeah. DJs. You had, had radio. Place, we had places where you could showcase this stuff. Millas, right? Yeah. yeah. Millas, Clubs, parties. It was radio crazy. Stations. So we're looking at it. At that time when we see all that happening, mm. all the artists here were like, yo. I got to get to London. Mm-hmm. I got to get to Birmingham. I got to get to those places. And, and people like Roach Killer, Blitzkrieg, all those guys, they just packed up their bags and they're like, yo, yeah. we out. Mm-hmm. We're going to go there and see yeah, what happens. Yeah, yeah. I went there. I, I, I walked my mixtapes into, into Punjabi Hit Squad's radio show and they actually emailed me. That's how we, that, that was the link. And it was all at the same time. So yeah, like, yeah. everyone was kind of moving at that mm-hmm. time. Crazy. That's dope, man. I think, I think, and then, well, so, I mean, to continue the story where I was talking about um, the stuff with mentor and stuff. Yep. So, but I had got disheartened basically from right. that point. Okay. So I'd kind of stopped doing music for a little while. I'd say maybe six months to a year. I would just focus in on my uh, university stuff, whatever, whatever. And we're getting to basically how I met Sunnit. So mm-hmm. yep. I, I found Sunnit's website. Mm-hmm. Sunnit had just had a song played on Radio One by Bobby Friction and Nihal. Okay. He'd what was a, that song? He'd done a remix of an MIA record, Galang. Okay. okay. And it was Big dope. It was okay. such a dope remix. Actually, sorry, he emailed me. So I'd, I'd heard his song and I was like, because everyone would listen to that show every week. Right. And then he emailed me and I was like, look, I found your website and I had some clips up on my website of stuff that I'd done. And he's like, check mine out. I checked his out. He had a bunch of beats on there. Keep Only on. beats? Yeah. Just instrumental. Yeah. So, so he, he was, was like looking for big a rapper. producer. He wow. was looking for a rapper. I was looking for a producer. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So on that, like, really like that guru premiere type. Defo. So he'd play, he, on his website was, uh, was a beat called First Kiss, which was the Keep It Undercover beat that you heard. Oh, he called it First Kiss? Yeah, yeah. The beat was called First Kiss. Okay. And the whole beat was just sitting there? Yeah, it was just there. Downloadable and everything? No, no, not downloadable. This is before you could do stuff like that. I think you <laughs> <Okay>. could <laughs> stream it. Not even stream it. I don't know. I think you could, I don't know how it worked. It probably, <laughs> probably was streaming of some yes. sort. Real player? Real player. Right, Real right, player. right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um... So you just like email friends and then email. You... Then we got uh, we called each other. Then I met up with him. Went down to yeah. his. Was place. he from Luton as well? He's from he was he's from Coventry, but he was living in London at that time. Okay. So I went down to see him in London. We just met, um, recorded the song, and he was like, "Look, I've got to connect to Bobby and Nihal at Radio One." Um, so we... that's the first song you recorded. Yeah. And in my opinion, your best song together. Yeah, but that's, yeah. I mean, that's got a lot of history. I think we've done better after that, but that's got a lot of. That's my, my favorite. Oh, nice. my, mine too. Maybe it's a sentimental thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it is a sent for me as well. Um, <laughs> but 
Yeah, I feel like we've improved. He, he'd say no because he knows he's improved a lot. I feel right, like right, I've right. improved a lot. Absolutely. Well. But he, um, yeah, he said, let's get this song recorded and we'll send it to them. They played it, I think. What, what do you, where do you record it? Like there, you don't have a big I'm studio. I'm honestly yet, trying or... to remember where we recorded it. Is it, it? in the house? Like t- to walk us through that process. I like... think it was in the house. I think Sunit had a microphone set up. Was it Pro Tools yet or are you on some nah, other shit? Cubase. 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 Okay. Cubase. And Sunit, I remember, I think he came to Luton and he brought his massive PC with him and his screen and everything. And he had a mixer, a little mini mixer, and he had a microphone. And we set everything up in the loft in my house. Wow. Um, mobile studio. Yeah. And we had a bunch of bedding that we put in the wardrobe <laughs> oh, okay. to use as a booth recorded it i'm sure it was that song if not it was another song but there was that kind of environment that we were in wow. recorded it i think he didn't even mix it or master it i think he just kind of did it the best that he could okay so vocals on it. the beat two tracks basically um, just the beat i think he a... had his little bits and pieces what he was doing beat wise okay um so but yeah then he kind of just mixed it down sent it to bobby and Nihal and via they... email or he walks in a cd no, like i what? think he emailed it to them or sent was it a CD? It might have been a CD, actually. Yeah, I think he sent it. But and and Bobby and Nihang, just just for the listeners that don't know, yeah, you know, we're in in like what we keep calling this Instagram generation. Like, what was Bobby and Nihal's? Who were they, and what was their role so in breaking artists at that time? This, basically, Radio One is like I don't know, Hot ninety seven here. Okay, yeah. so imagine you've got Hot ninety seven here, and they have a prime time show, two hours where they play Dissy Beats. Wow. So in 2000, whenever this was, five, Two, yep. I think maybe three to seven, they had a primetime show. And it was Asian guys so with two, a primetime show yeah. on a mainstream yep. channel. Very different than Asian network. No, mainstream. This is all mainstream. So everyone listens to Radio 1. It's like the young people, the whole country listens to Radio 1. Incredible. Like the chart show of the whole country comes on Radio 1. So, so Bobby and Nihal had that a lot of power at that time. Definitely. So, and their show was so influential. Like everyone would listen to it mm-hmm. and a song would be on there and it would blow up because it was on there. Because Blow up would, in the sense that if they co-signed it and yeah. they said this is it, yeah, let's go. Yeah. And that's what happened to us. So they played that song. I remember I was driving back from my cousin's house in Wolverhampton. And the show was nine till eleven, so we started okay. listening to that show at half nine. We're driving down; it's coming up to it's an hour and a half journey, so it's coming up to like twenty to eleven. And, and do you know what's coming on? Well, well, soon it was like they're going to play the song on the show. So you're amped now, and I'm like, so this I, is different than when the meant the other song that you yeah, recorded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was a big deal because it was like your shit. Yeah. Okay. And me and and me and my cousins are driving, and they're like cool yeah you can listen to the station they're just playing stuff playing stuff i'm like fuck they don't want to play this song man i was getting really i was like did you shit. tell your friends like tune in and shit? i told my co- I, I can't remember i think i don't know if i told my friends but i definitely i was in the car with like four of my cousins did you like, tell your parents no okay um, so you didn't make any fault like any expect no, you didn't no, give no. Them any expectations. I, yeah, yeah yeah i don't like to say things before they happen basically okay um and we're driving then bam and then bobby starts to and i've still got this audio recording somewhere bobby says something like Sometimes you hear a song and it's beautiful. Sometimes you hear a song and it's so good. This and then they just started saying all these nice, nice things about <laughs> the song. And I was like, and do you know it's you? I'm, I'm, like, I'm like getting all. I'm like, are they gonna? Are they gonna play our? Is that my song? Is that is that our song? And then all of a sudden they say, "This is Keep It Undercover" by Sonnet and Raxton. And I was like, oh, wow, groundbreaking. And literally, like life changed after that. Like literally, just play that one play on that show. 
changed everything. I had emails from Australia. The Crazy. Next day. That, that's where that's where you become a millionaire. Not even not even a millionaire, bro. <laughs> Nothing like that. Not monetary, but just like it became a whole different game after that. We were playing catch up after that because we only had one song. So after that, oh, we were, so the the project wasn't done yet. No. Nah, so after that, we were playing catch up. We were like, for, let's um, for, for the artist, song. for the artist, any young artist. I, I know now a lot of young artists. Uh, sort of look at you as like this, this almost this godfather of this Daisy rap thing, and um, a lot of young artists that listen, you know, would you tell them to to prepare a little different than the way you guys I did? Would or? Definitely, I would have a plan, and and in this generation, I think the biggest thing is to have content. When you say content, what do you mean? You want songs, albums, as much stuff as you have that you can put out. If one thing connects, and you've mm-hmm. got nothing to go after that you're playing catch-up. And in this generation, that's the worst position to be in because there's an insatiable thirst for something when something pops. Okay, this pops, what's next? And that's it's what, The what's next is really fast. Exactly. Right? And if you know what's next, if you've got a plan, like, okay, this is the next year I've got planned. If any of this stuff pops, I've still got this stuff to go afterwards. If it doesn't, then it's a learning experience. That's a great position to be in. But luckily for us at that time... Gems. The internet, that's a gem. Mm. Yeah, that's a gem. So, but the internet, what happened with you there? The internet wasn't as big as it is now. Okay, so we were able to play catch up a little bit. Okay. So we were, now, do you have CDs, singles pressed for that? Do you have anything when you no. give it to Bobby and Nihal no. and them? We had we downloaded it from our site for free. That's how na- that's how naive again I'll say we were. We had it downloaded from our site. For well, because you just want people to hear. You yeah, just yeah. want to be in people's yeah, yeah. house or in their car or whatever. And then slowly we started. Um, could you track downloads back then? Like how many people yeah, I, would download? I honestly can't remember. I think Sonnet had, had it for download on his website. I think you can, but I honestly can't remember what the numbers were. But it was crazy though. Because... People would come up to you? Just the feedback. N- nah, because we got our first booking for a gig, I think maybe a month after that because of the show. And so now are they playing you every week, week after week? Yeah, yeah. so they played that night, song. They whatever. played that song for a good like, you know, two, three months in a row. And then we had another song that we released. Did it chart in the Asian charts? They didn't have that then. Oh. There was no Asian chart then. I promise you it would have been number one. <laughs> so the song pops. Yeah. You guys, what follows after now? So you, you have, you just mentioned you had a booking. Like what, what starts coming yeah, on so the I horizon? Mean, me and Sunit just try and do as much as we can together. We spend a lot more time together. Um, first, the thing we wanted to do, I wanted to do specifically was make a video for the song. Because mm-hmm. I felt like that would just be a big... Um, a big, big thing for us to to to, to push the song a bit more again. And content, the, and content, then content, and there were avenues we could go down. So mm-hmm. this is going to be is YouTube, YouTube pop, YouTube's no, out. YouTube might have been out, but no one's, no one's watching yeah, no videos one on YouTube. Yeah, because okay. it's dial up, right? So right, right. So, but um, the biggest outlet which might be lost on you guys here was because it was such a UK thing, was there was this channel called Channel U. Yeah, absolutely. U so Music. Ch- no, 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 not U Music. It oh. was Channel U. Okay. So Channel U was like an urban station okay. on TV. Not urban Asian, just no, urban. No, just urban. So and you're playing, like, we're going They there. were playing grime, okay. UK hip-hop, okay. and the lowest budget videos that you've ever seen. <laughs> okay. But the shit was hard. Like, yeah. every, every guy who you've heard of now, uh-huh. big grime guy, whoever it is, Skepta, Wiley. Gigs. Whoever it is. All those guys. They've, their first ever video play, I can guarantee you, was on Channel U. 
Okay, so they would. And pick this it up was fast. around this time as well. Okay. So I was like, "Look, let's get a video done. We can get it done on played on channel." But, but what makes you think that you guys, being Asian artists, were they playing Asian videos? They played too? no Asian videos, we so they didn't play like Juggy D and them hit before nah, you, right? They, yeah, yeah but they, they weren't playing their videos on that channel. Right? They weren't playing dance with you. Nah. That was so big. Nah, they weren't playing. Why was it too commercial? Um, too Daisy maybe I think they probably didn't even send it to them Channel U was very independent so all okay. these acts that I'm telling you gigs right. or whoever they weren't signed acts these were just right. guys doing music sure. independently similar to how we were doing at that time as Got well it. Mm-hmm. and no one was supporting them radio wasn't supporting these people okay. no one's playing grime grime's looked down upon right like it's proper street music right um, and this was the only outlet for it like video wise anyway sure. so we made our video and we got it played on channel U. we were the first asian people to have a video played on channel U. gotcha and that was a big deal for us and they had this little thing on the side of the screen where you could text in and people would always text in and re- and we just sent it we like hopefully they'll play it and then we charted they had a chart top 20 chart that they would have every week we were like number six one week okay um it was a really really big deal like especially in the uk at that time gotcha um so yeah, I mean, like I said, playing catch up, and then we did our EP. So it was eight songs. Keep it undercover was one of them. Yep. We got the CDs pressed up. Um, now this is where, where does this budget come from? Like who? This who? is this is a good story. Yeah. Okay. So an uncle of mine uh, owned. He owns one store now, I think, but he owned like four, or five Subway stores. Subway meaning the restaurant? Yes. Oh wow! Indians own Subways there too. Yeah. I thought that was just the US. <laughs> Shout out to all the uncles out there. I, I got love for Subway all day. <laughs> I love Subway. We, we go to Subway, yo. So anyway, we so take you to Subway. <laughs> sure, so, I've got a coupon book on no, his no, desk. We're in New York, man. Come on, we can go other places other than Subway. subway I had Subway yesterday. I'm not even going to front. I love oh. I gave my whole team Subway coupons. He, yo, for real. Like, auntie just gives us coupons. <laughs> 350 for a sub? You can't beat that. I've got the nice GMO bread over here as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's, let's check that out, man. Okay. So my, my uncle owned a few, a few Subway stores. Okay. And he was constantly saying, look, how can I help you? Wow. What can I do? How can I help you? This is your mama or? Um, he is my fufur. Okay. So Explain he, that to the people who don't understand. So he's my, his, uh, his wife is my dad's sister. Gotcha. Bua. Okay. Yeah. Bua. Yeah. 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 But it's, it's like a family friend. Relative. We get it. Everyone's an uncle. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this is every, your friend is your cousin. And yeah. We're all related. Parents, friends, uncles and aunties. Yeah, yeah. Right. So he, he said to me, look. Uh, how can I help you? If you want to get banners made, I can sponsor banners, this and that, if you want to do shows. And there was nothing that we could do. So then I, I said to him one day, I was like, we want to get some CDs but, uh, you know, burned and made. And he's like, how much is it going to cost? So I did a calculation. It was like £600. Okay. Which is a lot of money for us. Yeah, then. Like yeah. $1,000. Yeah, it was a lot of money. We were going to get 1,000 CDs made and it was like £600. Um, I think I had like a part-time job. I was making like maybe £300 Staples a month. Staples still? Yeah, I was making okay. like £300 a month. Okay, that's still Staples. Yeah. Okay. But you um, could steal the CDs, right? Th- that was what helped with the <laughs> career, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so three three hundred pounds a month, and this was six hundred pounds to get a thousand CDs made. Right. Anyway, so long story short, my uncle said, "Look, we'll we'll put it as a sponsorship by Subway. Wow. Just put our logo on on the CD, which I did." And wow, um, so your first CD had Subway's logo on it's it. It's a small little logo at the back. And he afterwards he was like, You should have written Subway Luton because they're franchises, right? Right, right, right. right. So he was Everyone like, won off all of Subway won off that. Yeah. yeah. So he was like, You should have put Subway Luton. But he was like, Don't worry about it, it's fine. So yeah, that that's basically how <laughs> So he just he he helped you out. He, yeah, he, he brought us no, a check for six hundred pounds and I He had no expectation of money back or no, whatever. No, no, no. So he really invested. Yeah, in yeah. It. Well he was like, We spend for advertising, we might spend like 
£300 a month or something. Right. So he goes, I'll just put that cost down as a. So he believed in you. Yeah, yeah, Or yeah. even if he didn't, he wanted to help yeah, you. Yeah, no, he it. did. He did believe. He Even when things weren't very, very good, he would be like, you know, when are we going to see you on the TV? When are we going to see you? Wow. Like, I have had a lot of people like that in my life. Who are you, are you in. guys still good? Yeah, definitely. That's okay. Love, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are we going to put him in a video one day? Um, if he wants to be in one, he Does he do Subway still? Um, he owns one store. He's a okay. very, very busy man, though. Okay, yeah. gotcha. But it's yeah. funny, like, I, so... Um, hearing these stories about uh, how you get the support from family, right? Your parents, even at, at young in your career. Mm. My experience, and, and I think a lot of people uh, in the Desi community here in the States, and Sherrod might have a different perspective, but my parents were never really supportive of my career yeah. and, and music. And it was very much doctor, engineer, lawyer. Um, but that's also now something that you, you could dissect further about the UK and how people migrated there way before they came to America mm. and just kind of adapted to the culture and gave that support. But now, finally, you're seeing this support yeah. for, for people, um, parents um, giving their kids to pursue their dreams and things why, like that. Why do you think that is? I think because uh, uh, media, I think that society is kind of, uh, even like Indian society, there was that movie Three Idiots that came out. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that kind of opened up the eyes of people to say, well, don't you know what? Don't force your kids to Yeah, do don't force your kids to do something that they don't want because... It could be detrimental. They could hurt themselves. They I could. think. I think that. I mean, in, in my opinion, I think that one biggest, the biggest thing is they want to see you successful. Yes. Like in my in my life, it was like my dad would always say stuff like, you know, have a backup plan, or you know, just in case things don't work, like what are you going to do, or what else can you do? Which I knew there's there's a million and one other things that I could do, and I think he understood that as well. Right. But the other thing is, which I find more so is there's no one that you can give as an example mm-hmm. this guy is doing it so i could do it your mm-hmm. parents can't say oh look so-and-so is doing it so That's they can point. do it so-and-so is an engineer mm-hmm. so-and-so is a doctor so-and-so is a lawyer he's making money he's got a nice car why don't you do that as well right there's no one to say oh look so-and-so is a musician but right. you can do that as well right right which is why i think it's important for people like me to be in a position to show people cool you can give me an ex- as an example. You can give other artists, my peers, as examples. Do you believe that the foundation you've laid here, uh, globally, actually, with your music, opened it up for guys like Bad Shah, Yo-Yo, Honey Singh, guys that are doing hip-hop N- in I, India right I, now? Not at all. Really? No, I don't think... I feel like... It's arrogant to think that you've had that much of an impact. If anything, I might have, someone might have, I mean, I had conversations with Bajja and he said, you know, he loves what I did mm-hmm. and he, he, I was influential in some sort of way towards him doing what he's doing. Okay. But that's not me. That's just, if it wasn't me, it would have been another person that was rapping that maybe didn't carry on doing it or mm. you would have found someone else to do it. It's interesting to to know how long you've been doing it and literally was doing it when no one did it mm-hmm. and to have that humble attitude. That's I just think like, I don't know, man. I still feel like I'm not, even though I've been doing it for all this time and whatever, whatever, I still have the mentality of someone who's still trying to make it. Like I'm still trying to achieve what I feel like I haven't achieved yet because I've been grinding for so long. That That's ingrained in me now, the grind. Right. The grind is wake up every day and work on yeah. you. Is that correct? Yeah. Because 
even going back and thinking about all this stuff, it doesn't feel like it was 10, 12 years ago. It feels like this was just a couple of years ago. Facts. That's big, man. A lot of people, a lot of artists don't have that humility. You know, it's... No. And, and, and with, with that, we're going to pause for a short break. Yep. Uh, we'll see you back in a few. Yes, sir. Thank you for tuning in so far, ladies and gents. Stay tuned. Hey guys, this is Mega from Holy Chic by Mega, and I am listening to the Butter Chicken Podcast with DJ Sherrod and DJ Juicy. Yo, what's good, everybody? This is Jazz Dami. You're listening to Butter Chicken Podcast with DJ Sherrod and DJ Juicy. Hey, this is Heems. Shout out DJ Shiraz, shout out DJ Juicy. This is the Butter Chicken Podcast. Yo, this is Rackstar. You can catch me on the Butter Chicken Podcast with DJ Sherrod and DJ Juicy, and it gets super spicy. What up? It's your boy Siraj, Sneaker Room All Day. I'm here on the Butter Chicken Podcast. This is one of the craziest podcasts I've ever done. Listen to me, if you don't know what Butter Chicken is, you better Google that shit. If you don't know who my man DJ Sherrod is, you better Google that dude. If you don't know who my man DJ Juicy is, a.k.a. the Punjabi Fat Man Scoop, you better Google him. We here, man. Butter Chicken Podcast all day. Yo, can I get some Butter Chicken? Butter Chicken? Butter Chicken? Listeners, thank you for staying tuned and welcome back to the Butter Chicken Podcast. We are here... As you know, with the one and only Rackstar. Rax, let me ask you a question, man. You are the feature king. You are featured on everybody's records, man. Tell, tell me about that and, and tell me also, we're going to dive into some more details also, but um, before that happened, we also want to hear about kind of uh, where you were after Keep It Undercover because we were talking about that and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. So, I mean, well, f- well features-wise... I love collaborating with people. Okay. I love working with other people. Can I, I play a feature before you really yeah, tell yeah, us yeah. about that? Let's do it. I'm going to play something that nobody has. Okay. I'm the only one in the world probably with this. <laughs> Rax probably doesn't even know I have it. Is that okay with you, yeah, Rax? Yeah, yeah. Do it, man. I'm excited. Shit? I wonder what this you is. You might not have even, even heard this. Okay. I've been on so many planes this year. Life ain't the same this year. So let me get shit clear. I ain't slowing down for no one fifth gear. Got my foot to the floor. Got my foot to the floor, foot to the pedal. Man of God, that looked like a rebel. You gon' pay for the deal that you took with a devil. Stupid. Haji Springer on this one. So hard, I find so easy. Can they, can they, Paji, Paji, Namagana, question mark, question mark. On while I summer mid, I let it start. Now they feelin' my flow over Haji's base. Wait till you hear glass ceiling, man, your base. Tough. So I got that joint. Did you know I have that? I had no idea. You Do you have bro. that? Of course I've got that. <laughs> Sometimes you might not because it's not out. I don't know. Big up Haji, man. All day, every day. That's my brother, man. I'm going to play one. That's my guy too, man. And he mm-hmm. sent me the album. He said, Sherrod, I promise you, you're the only one that has it. Now I know he's lying to me because you have it. <laughs> but I, guess I don't have the album. I have the song. I got the album. I've got like three songs from the album. I don't have the whole album. I got the other record too that you're on as well. Okay, you know? Neend, yeah. Yeah, we won't get into that because I'm not going to play all Haji stuff. But this is a new one uh, that I happen to like a lot. And uh, I played it at the Pharrell party we did, the Adidas oh, launch yeah, yeah. party. And people went kind of like yo what is this mm-hmm. and and then you know we 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 just wanted to do do it so that we could showcase that our friends from across the pond got some heat how many verses how many verses you had written about you how many people said it was and you look better than your pictures how many told me i can't describe it there ain't enough emojis homie love a friend our kelly's in the system 
I remember this clearly when you play this, like every like every person, doesn't matter what skin color like, who was, is that? just bobbing the head, that? vibing to it, man. It was crazy. I, know, I, I cut right from you to a gigs record. So it was pretty dope. Uh, and no one in New York really does like the the homework when it comes to UK. I, I study UK, period, mm. not just the Asian scene. Mm. So, so you're really the feature king. I mean, Juicy was touching on it before. You're yeah. yeah, so tell us about the collaborations. And... Yeah, like I was saying, man, I mean, working with people, I feel like when I started... What I would do was see was, well, I was talking about instrumentals and stuff like that. What I would do is, these songs were already done technically. Well, they are done, basically. I'm taking a song which is already done and just adding my bit to it. Or spice? Your spice? spice. Yeah, <laughs> adding a spice to it. <laughs> just sprinkle. Um, so I'm, uh, I feel like I can do that really well and I know how to do that. So if there's already a song done and someone says, Rax, we need a 16 from you. Okay, you've already done the concept. You, the beat's already done. You've already done your parts. Right. I just need to see how I fit into this record. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's light work for me. I can do that. So Do that all day. Yeah, I can do that really, really easily. And I, obviously, I have to connect with a record and be able to kind of get into that kind of space to write where my voice is on this subject or whatever it is. But I enjoy it, man. I really, really enjoy it. Speaking features. Yeah. From a business perspective. Can we get into that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. When someone hits you for a feature... Like a guy like a Zach Knight, an Arjun, mm. a Haji, someone who's sort of at a pinnacle level, mm. does or a high level, does that look different paper-wise than, say, a guy who's on the come-up and just connects with you and says, yo, I'm new, and this is my first or second or third record, and mm. I need you, I want you to do his racks because I'm a fan or whatever it may be. Does, it, does the conversation... Look different, and um, does the paper look different? A hundred percent. I look at it this way: it's the law of fair exchange. So, if someone is at a certain level, and they want me to come in, and they can see that I'm at a certain level, if we're both on a on a level exchange, mm-hmm. it just makes things a lot more simpler. I would say, in regards to what you're when you're working together. Now, if someone is just starting. And they, they, they're asking for a feature for a reason. People know this guy, Rax, whoever it is, they know this person. Mm-hmm. That will bring eyes, ears, his fan base. You're asking for a lot from me. What are you bringing to the table? It so you, you've, you've established with you and your team that, hey, you're at a certain level now. Yeah. And there's certain people that, that sit in that pool with you. Yeah. And then there's others that... You don't mind playing the game, but you're going to play a little different. Yeah, yeah, because it's all about fair exchange. I wrote a blog post about this um, maybe, a, I think maybe two or three years ago, and someone had hollered at me and said, um, I really want to get you on this song. And they'd spoke to my manager, Khalid. Shout out, Khalid, all day, every big day. Big up, big up. I don't even Khalid. text you. I text him. <laughs> I don't bother you, man. Khalid is my right-hand man. He handles everything for me. He leaves me to focus on things that are important to me which is the creativity um anyway someone hit him up and was like i don't know if they hit me up or hit him up recent this was a couple of years ago Mm -hmm. and basically they wanted they were they they hadn't done a song before it was their first record they'd asked for a feature and they the speech that they'd, they'd given a long long speech about how you know they respect what i do and all this kind of stuff which is cool and then it was like 
they were given a quote from for, you. Yeah, which was a fair quote mm-hmm. for what they were... Because you're asking for something, so you have to... If you can't give anything in the similar regards back to me, you have to make a monetary... Um, you have to level, you know, you have to match that level, but monetarily. And you deem your own, you figure out what that. Yeah, and that's our, that's a difficult process for our artists as well. I mean, to to monetize your art is, it's a difficult thing to do. And I've got more comfortable with that the longer I've been doing this because I feel like I've put enough work. Could you keep monetizing, fam? <laughs> but but you've put enough. I put enough work in to deserve that. I feel like, of course, you know. You, but you the process of putting a, a price tag to something was the difficult part. Yeah, it's yeah. a difficult thing because you feel like this is what I love to do. And this is what this person tried to um, exploit because they said, do it for the love of music. Okay. Why won't you do it for the love of music? Mm. Cool, do it for the love of music. Is that going to pay my bills? Because I do music full time. This is my job. You, you've got a job, right? This other guy, he's got a job. He works day, day to day, nine to five, and respect to him because I used to do that as well. You work nine to five and you're doing music as a hobby and you want a professional musician to do it for the love. How about you do it for the love until you're ready to do it for more than just the love and then we can connect. Mm-hmm. And I wrote a whole blog post about this because I felt like that was a, an emotional kind of blackmail thing saying to someone, you know, you, you, of course I do music for the love. Like, are you mad? <laughs> like, I wouldn't be doing here and being here this long if I didn't love music. But don't think that I'll do you something for the love of mu- that I have for music when you've made no sacrifices for your love of music. You're trying to exploit my love. It's a gem right there, man. That's depth right there. So, I, yeah. I'm actually so. That's exactly why I wanted to talk to you, Rax, because I knew that you're really about the music and you yeah. really love the music. But at the end of the day, I mean, we can all say that yeah. this is a business. It's business. Right. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a businessman. Yes, Who's sending me the invoice for you showing up on my podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Speak to Khaled about that. Bro. <laughs> Rax, you're a business. I got a question, man. What was the first record that you spit in Punjabi or Hindi? See, even keep it undercover, I say around the time Gradasman came out with Chella. Yep. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Mm-hmm. That was my first record. So even in that, I said that. But I, I would I would credit this kind of whatever I do now, more mixing of Punjabi and English. I would credit that to Surinder Ratan. Mm. Tell us why. Because Surinder Ratan wanted he 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 hollered me after I released Journeyman, which is in 2011, which was kind of the resurgence of. Wait, we just skipped like six years. Yeah, Are we going to yeah. go back? Yeah, yeah. Are we going to go back? We'll go back. Let okay. me just I'll tell okay, the story. Tell the story, we'll yeah. So story after I released Journeyman, that was like the resurrection of my career. And I reached a level that even Keep It Undercover didn't reach because this was six years later. So you can, mm-hmm. a whole generation of people hadn't heard Keep It Undercover. Mm-hmm. And I connected with so many more people when we released Journeyman. Anyway. Um, Surinder Ratan got in touch with me and he was like bro not everyone gets second chances let's work because he understood he's an OG people, people who know the agency know Surinder Ratan he's mm. been around when things first started popping off um, remixing Hindi stuff like the garage sound absolutely all that stuff legend. And, and after that legendary legendary producer also not given his fair due in I don't opinion. think so either yeah. so Surinder and I sat down and we went to the studio we worked on something and he gave me so many gems, man. When I sat down with him, he was like, "What's the goal of this song?" And I was like, "Bro, we just—it's just a song, isn't it? Like, let's let's figure <laughs> something out." And, you know, he's like, "What's the goal of this song?" And he just made my mind change. Like, what is the goal of this song? He's like, "What? Who are you trying to reach? Like, what are you trying to connect with? This and that." So I wrote the song, and it was—I think it was all in English. And he's like, "No, no, 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 no! You need to put some Punjabi in this." Wow. So this is like 
eight, nine years into your career. Yeah. And I was like, bro, like, you know, why? He's like, bro, people that are like you, they speak Punjabi and they speak English and they want that in their music as well. Mm-hmm. He was like, the stuff that you do. And I'd done a bunch of records after I'd released Johnny Man and whatever, whatever. Mostly of, most of them are in English. And he's like, they're not connecting with people because there's some, like, they can get that from anyone. Mm. Like, what can they get which is from you? Wow. That's big, man. Super big. So yeah. that was like a, like a big turning point. It was massive. That makes me feel like that's where you're turning the corner in your yeah. career period. And, and, I, and I'll, I'll credit Surinder from till the day I die, I will credit him for that because he was the one who planted that seed in my head. And what's another... Not so what, rec- what record was that, that? So that record was Flirt. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that was myself and Surinder Rat and Flirt. And another... And this is just a project or like a single now? At this this was a single, yeah. So we, okay. we, we so released the single. So he's not like calling you on some like, yo, I want to just have you exclusively no, know, no, no. from a business he, perspective. He, he was... If anything, he did me a favor, bro, because he didn't need to do that. And he just reached out. He reached out and he was like, bro, let's work. Did you know him? I didn't know Surinder before that. Obviously, I've heard of him. I right, know right, he right. Is, but yeah. he, he, as a, like an older brother, he's kind of hollered at me and said, bro, let's work. And he so was down to work with me. It's crazy because in your career, people have just like hit, like it was like mentor early and then Sunit, you know, via the internet yeah. and Surinder Ratan and so many people just in general. Like yeah. that's, I mean, I look at that, like just hearing your story, it seems like well, a blessing almost. Definitely. Yeah. And, to recognize that is the other thing. So people people have that in their own lives. They'll have these moments, but to look back or to be in that moment and just recognize, okay, this is a this is an important thing, or this is something which is going to change the directions that I'm going in. Mm-hmm. Another little small bit. I said, "Hanji, hello." In flirt. <laughs> in flirt, that was where I actually said the line. We could start off with a "Hanji, hello." She was like "Naji, eno," and that connected with so many people and that kind of inspired oh, the that, that you said say it again so we could start off with a hanji hello she was like naji eno so yeah that that kind of connected with people and we're gonna talk about hanji hello we'll right to that yes Bet. one thing you gotta know about Sharad, he loves any mixtape any any type of content he puts out there has to be bombs on it like, yes just like that that flex <laughs> <influence>. <laughs> that, yeah. yes 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 but uh but yeah continue man tell so so yeah, that, I mean, uh, uh, and that was where the Punjabi stuff started. So I, I so he helps you turn the corner. Yeah, and even yeah. then I did it, and he was like, "Put more," and I was like, "Bro, I can't put more because I I think I sprinkled the lines in the first verse, and maybe maybe there were two lines in the second verse." Do so, you do you have eyes on India yet, or any of that stuff yet? Yes. Okay. And do you feel comfortable spitting in Punjabi at that time, because it was more English, and I was just sprinkling Punjabi in it. I was cool. Okay. And then I did a few more things which was more Punjabi. And there's a couple of things which I'm a little bit embarrassed about. They've been released and whatever, whatever. But I feel like I could have done, I could have done a lot better. Mm. What, what do you mean by that, embarrassed about? You know, like, if someone just started, if I, if I played you the first songs that I rapped in English, I would be embarrassed about those because I felt like that was a learning experience. Mm. And when I've done Punjabi stuff, when I first started doing more Punjabi stuff, it was a learning experience. Like, I know how to rap. But you're asking me to rap in Punjabi, which I only conversate in, and mm. I understand. So rapping in different Punjabi ballgame. is different. People say when you when you people are bilingual, they have different personalities for different languages. I agree with that too, hundred percent. So I mean, trying to figure that out, your and, tone changes. Yeah, everything. yeah, and and I feel like maybe the first five or six records that I did, where I was trying to do more Punjabi, I would, I was still figuring it out. 
So if I could redo those, I probably would redo those. Do you speak Punjabi Hindi at home with your parents, your family? Yeah, Punjabi, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Hindi I understand, but my speaking Hindi is atrocious. Okay. Are you Sikh Punjabi? Or yes. H- okay, you're Sikh Punjabi. Yeah, yeah it's, it's funny because uh, Sharad and I do a lot of events. We, we DJ, of course, and, and we, we MC our events that we DJ. Mm. And he's always pushes me to, yo, why don't you MC in Punjabi or mm. Hindi? You, you speak it at home with your Because you're so good at it. Yeah. And it's funny, like... Just like you mentioned, it's awkward for me. I could speak to you right now one-on-one. We'll have a conversation or I could speak to my parents or yeah. my siblings. But put me in front of a crowd and I feel like, I, like I'm not comfortable. Do you feel like, it's, like as a performer, your persona is tied to how you speak? So mm-hmm. you sp- as a DJ, you would speak in English because that's your DJ persona. Exactly. Yeah. And Punjabi is more, like for me as well, it's more personal. That's who I speak to my loved ones with sure. in Punjabi. Sure. I conversate with people in Punjabi. It's more... So that's you a, kind of separate the yeah. worlds. So that's yeah. a gem too that you said you speak to your loved ones in Punjabi. Yeah. And you were told that if you spit in Punjabi, you'll connect with more people mm. or connect with those. You just connected another. Bro, that's a bomb right there. <laughs> that's crazy. I can't even. That's too crazy. Point being is yeah. that, like, what I've noticed is that your fan base really loves you. Mm. Like, the people that fuck with Rax, fuck with Rax. They're mm. waiting on his shit. They're waiting on his music. They know his music. They go to his shows. They download his stuff. They're waiting on this project. And I genuinely believe that, yeah, we've known you or known of your music for a long time, but the the newer, the younger, the more loyal fan base, mm. I believe really because you do the dual language thing really, really helps you co- to connect with those that, like you said, have that same skin color, mm. Mm. that go to that same Gurdwara or even uh, Muslims or, or, or Hindus that just connect with you because you're brown. I believe it's because you speak in your mother tongue and in English as yeah, well. Yeah, definitely. I've I've noticed it a lot more. I mean, the other thing is you'll get you'll get both. So I'll get people saying <clears throat> you should rap only in English. Mm. Mostly people from India will give me feedback. R- India people say yeah. rap in bro, English. Bro, rap only in English. That's so crazy. People in the diaspora will say, "Bro, do more in Punjabi. Don't do so much English. Do more in Punjabi." Yeah. And I'm like, Cool, but I've got to do what I want to do. Of course. When do you shut outside out and say, I just do me? For a long time. (laughs) Because if you sit around listening to people, like literally, I think I've, what did I release? I released a song and the, the, the first two things that I got responses back were, bro, rap more in Punjabi, bro, rap more in English. Like that was literally one after the other. On YouTube, like the the trolls on YouTube. And I was like, look. I'm doing a mix. One person saying to do only one, one saying to do only the other. So I'll do both. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I should just just stick to what I want to do yeah, rather than good. trying to listen to right. to these people. Because you've, you've cultivated your own sound at this point. Yeah, I mean that was the and th- that is who I am, which is more important. Like you can't tell me to just do stuff in Punjabi when I speak. N- yeah, most of the time I speak English, and I was born and brought up in a country where English is the predominant language. So we 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 talk about keep it undercover, and then we talk about Johnny Man. Mm. What happens in the middle? Okay. You said there was like a, a period where... Yeah, so so I left uni. Keep It Undercover blew up. We were chasing that kind of success of that. Uh, released a CD, released the EP. One question yeah. before you dive into that. When you saw the success of Keep It Undercover, mm. like that single and that whole album, that, e- that was an EP, right? Yeah. Eight, eight tracks. Do you start seeing financial gains yet? N- not being on TV, being on no. radio. Are you financially sound at that time? No. So I just finished university, left university, what, 15 grand debt. Music's going well, 
but or what what it seems going well. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm on TV. My songs are on the radio. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm, I haven't got monthly income. Mm. I haven't got money coming it's in. Steady flow. I haven't. You know, it comes in now and then. I have what, royalty the checks which come in every three months, three four months. Okay, that's the only consistent income that I have. Right. And that's dependent on songs being obviously being played on radio or whatever. Mm. Um, shows come here and there. And it's not like I'm getting paid so much money for shows. Like shows are, we're still seen as up and comers, new guys. At that point. Yeah. So mm-hmm. there's shows that we're doing for, you know, hardly anything. A couple hundred pounds of that. If that. Sometimes it would be, we'll pay for your travel. Cool. I love music. Referencing <laughs> my previous stories. So yeah. That's what I'll do. Right. I'll perform to an empty room. I'll Have perform, you done that? Yeah. I'll perform to a crowd which doesn't want to hear me. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll do this because this is me becoming who the person I'm destined to become because this is a journey. Paying your dues. Yeah, basically. And that was a long time. So there was a time where I, we'd, we'd done a lot of this stuff and I don't know if you guys had it here, but there was a lull. Like, Absolutely. You know, you know how you were saying, Sherrod, there's periods of time where, Bro, where nothing's coming out. We 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 literally had a pause on the day. We stopped throwing parties. Mm-hmm. From 07 was the last party I, See, I mean, that, threw a party. And that that kind of ties in with where my lull was. So 2007, yeah. 2008. It was the scene. Literally. Ooh. Everyone that I knew that was doing music had went and got jobs. We said if Rackstar's not making music, we're not throwing parties <laughs> on that. <laughs> It, w- it almost like seems like it wasn't cool. It, it was universal. It was from the UK to US. It was yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Everyone. Everyone stopped. No one was making music. And and the other thing was, which I found, it sucks for us as DJs because yeah. we're like now we had to go back to just playing mainstream records for a long time. And and for the perspective of the diaspora here, it's like it wasn't cool to be Desi. Yeah. yeah they became like yo, yeah. we, Desi party. Now we're not going there. Mm. Desi hood. We're not going yeah. there. Like. We do like mainstream. I'm beyond shit. that. That was that was a couple of years There's ago. There's a lot of that still. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. Especially but, in England. Yeah. But, but um, the point I was going to make was uh, around lull. that t- around that time. Yeah. The, I mean, 2008, 2009. There was a lull. People had stopped making music. And you, why you, did you stop making music or slow down? I feel I feel like there was there was no there was nothing to reach. So wow. you, UK. I'll give you an example. UK. Mm. So UK, you had these amazing, talented MCs, rappers, mm-hmm. Kano, Skepta, Kano's Gigs, sick, yeah, all sick. these amazing, amazing acts. They couldn't break into the mainstream. Kano had a lyric in one of his songs. He goes, I'm in an industry man in England where I'll never send, sell more than an indie band. And it's a beautiful song. It's called Layer Cake. He's basically talking. And this was a guy who's like the pinnacle of the, mega. Yeah, the, mega. the rap scene yeah. in the UK. And he can't make it in the mainstream because those doors are completely shut. They're not letting him in. What am I, as an Asian rapper, if a, the best rapper in the rapping scene is not getting anywhere, what am I going to do? I can't. Wow. They're not going to let an Asian guy get even halfway there, am I? Crushes your motivation. So literally, there was like, it was like, there's nowhere for us to go. We've got nothing to do. We've got nowhere to reach. Wow. The doors are and you closed. and Sunit say this together, or this is like, I think, I think I'm... There was just a demotivation. I mean, even with, with, like, in our personal lives, there was just stuff that we were going through, and there was just, there wasn't that excitement there. Can anymore. you touch on that when you're saying in personal? Um, life? Not really. Okay. But fair enough. There was no, there was, there was just, just no motivation, man. Gotcha. Like, we just felt like. Felt like there was a glass ceiling? Definitely. Or a ceiling? Definitely. A ceiling there. A glass ceiling. Mm. Glass ceiling there. But yeah, so I just, we just kind of, you know, I, I ended up getting a, a part time job. Where Staples again? No, no, I was working for Sony. Mm. Oh, in entertainment? No, 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 it was actually a store. So 
retail. Retail. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So you you doing now like melas and arenas and radio and doing all that, and then going to work not even in... not even that. So none of that stuff was going on. Then no, I, that's what I'm saying. You had done that, right? That, you had yeah, done yeah, some yeah. shows. Yeah. And you had done stuff and toured and whatever, and now you're going to work retail. Yeah. Mentally, what what do you feel at that time? Um, like, do you feel? I think I was happy to have a job and have regular income coming in. Wow. Um, and I and you know what's funny? So Johnny, we released in 2011, 11, but yeah. we actually wrote it in 20, uh, 2007. Okay. Oh wow. And we were like, "This who's is we? Me and Sunnet. Okay. So you wrote that together. So Sunnet produced that song, and I wrote the right. lyrics. And it's a big record. So that that song, we knew it was special when we did it because everyone we played it to was like, "That's the one. That's gonna go." Interesting. And we knew at that time, if you look back at that period of time, 2007 to 2010, 11. It was hard to make music videos. You didn't have these Canon cameras. You didn't have the technology. People didn't have these laptops to edit stuff on. You couldn't make a very good music video unless you had very, very expensive equipment and you're spending a lot of money. And we didn't have those resources. So I was like, look, we can't... What about your uncle from Subway? (laughs) Even 600 pounds, bro, wouldn't have got us an amazing (laughs) video. So I, I, I was like, we can't release this song unless we've got an amazing video. Right. It's not going to work. Okay. So we just held on to it. And then when it got to 2010, I released a record called Name on the Poster. And that was just me. Why do you release that now? Actually, I, I'll tell you what I did. We, we actually, I think You're I just, working at Sony and making yeah, music. Yeah, so I, like, I, there was something inside me was like, me and Sony have got all these amazing songs and they're never going to get released. And I just want to get these songs out. So I went to see Sony. We spent like a week together, finished these songs that we'd done for the past four years that we'd kind of half finished. Mm-hmm. Released this mixtape called Spring Cleaning, which was like... I think 15 songs and it was just kind of like some remixes and just finishing songs that me and Sunit had been working on for the past four years before that. And when we're in studio, Sunit just starts playing something from scratch and I start doing a melody from scratch and we just basically end up making this song called Name on the Poster, which was something different. It was a little bit more commercial. We were like, let's try something different. And then, uh, uh, another artist friend of mine Rick's he had a guy called Sid that he was doing videos with and Sid was making some amazing like stuff visually so he did a special effects video for that song and then I was like okay he can smash Johnnyman if we did Johnnyman with him he would make a really really good video so you you're as an artist you're like beyond rap at this point you're looking at the whole thing mm. In what, what, in what, what meaning video concept yeah, yeah. who's gonna do it like I've always thought like that though when I right. write a song I'm always thinking how, what's the video gonna be it, mm. it's interesting right like to know about that juice that, that, that like he's not just the guy that's gonna go in the studio and spit some bars and yeah and then figure it out afterwards there's a there's, everything's done with intent or work like or have a team like that does everything for him like it seems like you're really in control of your brand yeah no no I, I, I take a big big interest in everything even micromanaging to some extent um i studied film and drama as well so visual i'm very very interested in visual storytelling okay. um so videos are really really important i think for me and also just to kind of touch on his story i think it's a testament to his music that he says he recorded in 2007 but doesn't release it till 2011 it's it's timeless it's like it's music that stays relevant. You know, people... I've still got songs that were done years ago that I'm... I think for like, okay, there's yeah, going to be, a, there'll be a right time to release this. this. Now is not the right time. How many songs do you say that you have in the can right now? Oh, come on, Sharad. <laughs> Where do I start? I've got so many. 100? 300? 500? Mm. I talked to one rapper. I talked to a rapper the other day and he was like, yo, I got... I recorded a song a day. 
He never came out with much. He came out like with one album, mm. and he said he recorded a song a day when he was in his like prime, and he's got three hundred and sixty-five songs. That's wow. Mad. And he hasn't released shit. That's mad. He's just waiting. And yeah, I can't reveal who it is because he's actually now managing another artist, and he's using some of that stuff that he did years ago to coach this other artist who's mega. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, point being is like. You probably have just a boatload of stuff. I haven't got more than that. <laughs> I haven't got more than that. But I've got, the thing is, I've got a bunch of like, if that's finished songs, then that's amazing. I've got like a bunch of things which right. I start. Not mixed, not master, yeah, yeah. one verse, hook here, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how long were you at Sony? And then and then when did you decide that? So funny, the funny story about Sony, I worked at Sony. So what, you like selling cameras and shit? Selling cameras, TVs, laptops, all that shit. Okay. Question on that, do people walk into Sony then like where you're selling? Were you in Luton or like in I was area? in Luton Keynes. Give me, is that like Manhattan versus minutes. Queens? Okay. 20 minutes. Manhattan versus Queens. Okay. So do people you know from music like randomly pop up in the shop and be like, yo. I was going to say that, yeah. So are you racked recognize you? Because so <laughs> that would be this weird, is, right? This is why I had to leave. Okay, oh. explain that to us. So when I was at Sony, I think maybe a year into it, we released Journeyman. Okay, interesting. And things start going nuts after that. And you have a sick that. video. Yeah, and things start going nuts after that. So I'm at work and sometimes people come in and they're like, yo, that's Rackstar. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, oh, I need to get, I need to, let me quickly go run to the to the staff room. I need to go get something. And the guys that I work with were amazing. They're, and to be honest, like not many Asian people would come in to the store. But when they did, they would like, you know, one of my guys would say, bro, you might want to, you know, wait in the staff room for about, you know, five minutes or so or whatever, just to get me out of there. Just just because they knew like it was a bit awkward, man. Like, yeah, that's your artist persona. And then you're you have to be a worker and stuff. Is that deflating at all at that point? Um, like kind of good and bad. But I like, just felt it was really for me, it was really awkward. Like totally. Yeah. I would feel conflicted. And I, and, yeah. and the thing is, I wasn't making enough money from music to leave that job. Mm. But right. then it got to a point where I was working eight till eight at Sony. Wake up at you know half six, get to work, whatever. Eight till eight, get home, shower, eat, go to my show at ten. And now you're show doing a lot of shows. I'd be doing a show. I'd get home at like three in the morning, four hours sleep, wake up and do it again. And I was just like, I can't keep doing this. Mm. Then there was opportunities that I would be having to say no to because I would have to work. Like what? Uh, bro, we've got a studio session with so-and-so or we've got a deadline for this song for whoever the... Can you please get it done by this date? We need it done by tomorrow. Oh, I'm working 8 till 8 tomorrow. I can't do it. Are you getting on features now after Yeah, this? I'm doing features and stuff like that as well at this point. At that point, people are hitting you for features. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not like making enough money to leave my job to do it at that point. Okay. I'm still... If anything, I was, I was undervaluing myself at that point. That's a gem right there. Yeah, and then and then you had and to people were taking advantage of that as well. What, yeah. what do you mean by that? Oh, this guy will do a verse for this much. Oh, let's get him on a song. Or this guy's, you know, whatever, whatever. And were you was was Khaled in the picture yet? Khaled was in the picture, but me and Khaled have grown together as well. You've got mm-hmm. to remember that we've both come from, you know, figuring things out ourselves. And Sunit was just the producer that you'd work with. Sunit was off. A, he wasn't like no no Sunit's my Sunit's my. He's my brother in and outside of music. Okay. But, and Sunit has kind of helped on that kind of side of things as well. Okay. Um, when I've needed someone to help me, like, you know, um, Khaled wasn't always my manager. So before then, Sunit kind of helped in certain things. And there's been times when um, Khaled's been um, busy with things and sometimes Sunit kind of helps and takes care of certain things. But, um, yeah, 
we we kind of both kind of grew. I think we've grown, and fr- from there, I've you know, I, it's funny because, you know, I've done shows for Peanuts. Of course, we like, all have. Like, there's so much funny things. So I mean, to get to this point now, to um, kind of be able to pick and choose sometimes what you want to do and what you don't want to do. It's a nice luxury. Yeah, and it feels Is like... Is that the point you're at now? If, yeah, and it feels earned as well. Yeah. Like, we have we have a, a statement that we always say. We say earned, not given. Mm. And there's a huge difference between earned and given yeah. and the fact that you've busted your ass for this many years and maintained and it's, it's, the, it's the value earned. as well. And, and not only that, I think that whole low period... Mm-hmm. That's the reason why I'm able to see things for what they are now. Like, I don't take any of it for granted or too seriously because it can be gone like that. You can't enjoy the sun unless you know what it feels like to be rained on, right? Exactly. You don't know how it feels to win if you don't lose. 100%. Exactly. So we talk about all these records and features and things like that. And we also talked about this a little bit before about some of the records that influenced you. But what are some of your favorite records outside, whether they see, non see, like what do you, what does Rackstar listen to? Like five records that you, yeah, like, um, um, tracks, actual tracks, actual songs, yeah, or artists, or yeah, we'll go with. Tracks. I have like albums. Okay, okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll do that. Yeah. So Bali Sagu Han- Hanji. Okay. Wow. Bali Sagu Hanji is like my favorite like Punjabi album I think okay so you listen to Punjabi music as yeah, well yeah 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 okay that and Punjabi MC Legalized mm-hmm. fire so Legalized was the first time I heard someone rapping on a song that had Punjabi like a singer on it basically right and that verse is classic by Punjabi MC that's um, crazy I like, die for my woman my woman is my mind my destiny she speaks through her every freaky line what yeah. is Mirza part 2 bro yeah classic fire. classic record yeah yeah big um Wow, so that's old. That's old school, right there. This Both is stuff like you know, like when you when you're kind of there's records from your kind of youth, which yeah, yeah that resonate know, with you, and you'll always there'll always be a part of you, regardless of hundred you know. percent. I mean, so, I think they influence your sound, no matter what definitely. what you what you're talking about now. That um, Bally Jag Powell's Dark and Dangerous, that was a monumental album for me. I think that summer was the same summer that Legalized came out. Dark and Dangerous came out. Was Aja Sony on that? Yeah. Yeah, and the other Ranja. record too with Ranja. The Ranja was on that. Ranja was on that. No, no, uh, was Ranja on that? Was Ranja there? Maybe. I think Ranja was after that. That might have been Talking on Yours too. Truly, I think. Oh, Yours Truly. I think you're right. Yeah. But yeah, that. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, I'm trying to think of more, more, more stuff. So. What about what about mainstream artists? Like, yeah, I know no. you said Common. What, who else you listen to? Because it, it sounds like you've. From what I when I hear you rap, I mm. feel like you have been influenced by people from the West. Definitely, sure. I think um, "Graduation" was a really, really big album for me. Kanye, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. "Graduation" and um, "Late Registration." I think "Late Registration" is probably my favorite Kanye album. Is that why you came in here flexing with your Yeezys? <laughs> Coming here with thousand dollars sneakers. <laughs> Come on, bro! Not when you got buy them at uh, retail, then they're <laughs> then they're not a thousand. Do you? So do you buy? Do you? Are you into like like I see you're always kind of fashionable you always got the hoodies I think Khalid has a good has a big influence on that um, on me um, I wasn't into it that much but he's kind of like you know kind of shown me a lot more stuff and and you like it yeah man and then just fashion wise like because of our brand and stuff we just kind of wait brand we pay attention to what's going on you say brand yeah brand what you talking about bro yeah, let us know got, man. Got let a brand, know. a clothing brand called the Hanji little clothing brand called Hanji Hello Claps for that, man. Tell us about that, man. Hanji, like I said before, so it was inspired by 
uh, which we didn't know from Flirt. I didn't know that did you I didn't know that yeah no. inspired by a line from Flirt so when that song came out people would like tweet me those lyrics and they would like message me those lyrics and it just kind of connected explain to the the non-desi listener what hanji means hanji just means yes ha is yes and g is like a respectful way of saying it mm-hmm. so okay. yes hello. but people say it all the time so hanji they'll pick up the phone pick and up say, the phone hanji, hanji hello right. hanji, you know what i mean it's just one of these like little phrases that people say like yo what they, up they yeah. greet people by saying hanji like the first thing absolutely yeah. so um so i i wanted would to do, tweet you the lyrics and yeah stuff. and okay. i wanted to do clothing for a long time we did rackstar t-shirts and rackstar stuff before okay. but um, I just wanted to do something which didn't have my face or my name all over it. Something okay. which could stand alone without me being a part of it. What what gave you that sort of vibe or that inspiration to do something that wasn't? So there's an artist in the UK called Tinchy Strider. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Tinchy had a Record had with a Teo Cruz and them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Tinchy had a um, a clothing brand which I don't know if you've seen. It, it was called Star in the Hood. Uh, all it said on on the T-shirt was Star in the Hood. Okay. And everyone was rocking these. These were available in mainstream stores. Like they started off as as a you know like Indeed. a kind of underground thing, but then it became mainstream. And Star in the Hood was by Tinchy Strider. People they weren't linked intris- intrinsically. Like people that knew knew. Oh, that's Tinchy's thing. People that didn't would be like, oh, that's a cool T-shirt. So I was like, I want to do something where it can stand alone because if I'm not linked to it, people that don't even know about me can still rock it and they can still wear it and it can be a brand on its own as well. People that do know, yeah. even better. And that's how I perceived it when I first saw it. Mm. Yeah. I see Rax rocking this, but like, is he affiliated with it? Yeah. Like, there, was a mystique, there was a mystique behind it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, that was the whole whole idea behind it, to, for it to be like that. And that's how it's kind of come about. When I started, it was literally just me mm-hmm. and a friend of mine, Ali Statement, shout out Statement. Um, I would just, I set up the website orders. I got, I think I got 10 made. And orders would come in, and I'd go to this. I'd speak to Ali. I'd say, "Bro, can I get like two in this size?" Statement. Yeah, that was a clothing brand too, right? It's, a, it's still a clothing brand. He yeah. has the statement on the hat. Yes, I yes, have yes. that. I have a stuff. I yeah. didn't even. I bought it in in um, East London. Awesome. That's my guy, Ali, basically. Tell so he sent some goods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Super. A lot of love for Ali, man. A lot of time for him. Okay. So yeah, he kind of helped me a lot at the beginning, man, because okay. obviously he had his own branding and he had his own links, and he was like, he just helped me. He was like, "Bro, you can you can do it," and. All orders would come in. I'd go pick them up from him, or he'd drop them off to me. I'd go to the post office. On your website? You'd, you'd, you'd yeah, yeah. I had okay. like a little separate uh, part section on the website, okay. or on my website to people to buy it. What year did you launch that? 2014, I think. 13, no, 14. 14, I think it was. Okay. And um, it just got too much, man. You can't, that's a, that's a day job in itself. Running a clothing brand, Pick, yeah. Uh, was it orders. picking up that like that that much steam? Like it was really it was, it was more than I could handle by myself. And where's where's your team at at this point? So I mean, we're still trying to do music stuff. We're still mm-hmm. trying to do all this other stuff, and then this stuff is kind of just taking over the day, basically. Can, can we pause for a second and, and make it safe to say that you know your music kind of led you and your creative sort of vision? led you to do this clothing and now you're a full-fledged entrepreneur and everything you're touching has to equate to some sort of revenue for mm. you as an artist is that safe to say i feel like before even before music i was an entrepreneur i was always business-minded like i always i feel like some creative people are just creative people yeah absolutely they haven't got a business mind they don't think how can how can i make income from this right but is it always like the intent to, no. to monetize or is it the intent put something quality the, uh, you know the intent is always value how can you add value to something 
or how can this hold value in itself mm. or bring something to to the table and then it's get paid for it the money will just come after yeah. yeah and it always will like if you follow that passion it always will sometimes it takes you 10 years like it took me but it get you'll get there eventually um yeah and then we got i mean after the clothing started i think it kind of caught the attention of um Dunmit and Sunmit at Roots Gear and then we just went into partnership and they've they've kind of just been our backbone for for whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. You're a London guy. Yeah. Luton guy. Luton guy. Luton guy. You're doing clothes, it's rocking, you're doing well. Mm. These guys in DC catch wind of you or you connect. You don't have no relationship with them. No. At that point. This no. is 2014, 2015. Yeah. You have no relationship with them. No. And all of a sudden you're you're heating up with your clothing, but you want to focus creatively on music and you just become partners. It's a longer story than that. <laughs> What's up, B? We've got mutual friends. There was a you know, there was months of talks and okay. whatever, sorting all the nitty gritty and stuff out. But okay. um yeah, basically, I mean that's how it ended up. We're gonna get Dunmeet on here and that like his 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 story's gonna yeah, yeah. probably give us more of that, but Dunmeet's gonna come up soon yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So, so you become partners, and now, now, do you feel that you're partnered with a U.S. company? Does that help you musically at all? I, I think Does everything come around together. I think, I mean, 2018, the world is a really, really small place. It's not as big as it used to be. Isn't that amazing? It is. I mean, it's mad because I'm in New York right now doing a podcast with you guys, man. Like, do you know what I mean? I, if you had told <laughs> me that I'd even visit New York ten years ago, I'd have been like, one day, hopefully. And I've been here how many times? And I'm talking about my journey so far here. Like, it's not lost on me, basically. So, how, how does that make you feel? And like, how does that make your family and people that love you feel? Like, you, you talked about your loved ones. I feel like they were they were always worried about me. Like, you know, is something going to happen? Is he going to make something out <laughs> of himself? Is he going to be successful? Blah blah blah. And they don't have to worry anymore. Basically, I feel like, and that's what that's what I wanted them not to worry. I wanted them to be like cool he's good he knows what he's doing i think uh one one of the messages that we always like to to bring out is empowering the youth mm. and i think your story is one that the, the youth can really listen to and say you know what whatever my dreams are whatever my passion is is i'm gonna people are gonna close doors on my face i'm gonna encounter hurdles but if you continue just to keep on working and, and look at that as if there's a light at the end of the tunnel, you could achieve your dreams. And Definitely. I think and there's so many dark days. Like, I have people, friends that are creatives as well, and I can see the struggles they're going through. And I'm like, I've been there. Like, I know what it's like. And it's tough. It's really, really difficult. Mm. But there is light at the end of the tunnel. And it's just time. It's just time and consistency, I feel. Every dog has his day. So... You just stick at it and just be passionate about what you're doing, man. I think the other thing, I mean, people always ask me, what advice would you give to, like, you know, a younger person or someone who's just starting out? Mm. Um, and Musically or just in general? Just, just generally. I mean, musically a lot. Most of the things that people ask me are gen generally, like, about music and whatever, whatever. But I've always said, like, different things. But recently... The most important thing, I think, is to be a student of whatever you're doing. Love it. Like a full, full student. And people aren't students. Like I studied, I didn't go to university, but I studied music. How is this song structured? Structured. How many bars is this? Why did Jay blow up with this record? 
Why is Hard Knock Life the song that made him popular with the mainstream audience? Because of that sample? Because people already knew that. Like, I studied artists that I respected and loved and tried to figure out what they did and how I can relate that to my own thing and make my thing as popular or as successful as these people have been. And everyone who's as successful as they are have done the same thing. They've studied people before them. They've studied the industry. They've studied the game. They've seen a gap in the market. They've seen, right, where do I fit in with this big picture? Like, where do I fit in? How do, how do I kind of connect to people? So study, like, people don't study, I don't think, enough of what they're trying to do. They might have a passion. They might want to do something. I love music. I'm really passionate about it. I've got a unique story to tell. Cool. Who else has done something similar to you and has been super successful at it? And how do they do it? Do you continue to study and are you still a student? Definitely. Yeah. I'm a student of everything, even more so now because I feel like this is a position where I can do more and I can impact more. So what have people who have got to this level in their careers done and how have they kept it? How have they kept from... Because the only way is down now, really. Once wow. you're certain to hit, hit a certain level. Mm. I mean, I can still go up, but once you're up, up, up. Are you up, up, up? I don't think so. Not yet. Okay. I feel like I'm on the ascent. Okay. But you can go down at any point during the ascent. And it's way faster yeah. to go yes. down. You could go down like now. Exactly. So you can make one false move and say something stupid or do something stupid. and It goes somewhere in your career. It's done. Flatline. Yeah. Right? So So it's like study that. Study that and figure out what, what is your thing within that don't mimic just study that and th- and then the other thing is i think there's a big difference in inviting someone's style versus mm. studying it and then learning how to apply certain knowledge that mm. you've gained to take, take your own career pieces yeah definitely and that's and that's how i feel like i've done that more so in the past five years whereas before i was just kind of figuring things out and that was Surinder telling me what's the goal of this song when he said that to me that that kind of triggered something in me and that made me do a lot more thinking and just strategizing about things and not in a kind of um manipulative way I wasn't trying to feel like oh how can I hack this thing and get this success without the hard work or get this without it being honest it was more like, okay, cool, look within yourself and figure things out. And the other thing is just don't take any success to your head and loss to your heart. That's a, I don't know who said that first, but Chuck D said it in that record. Um, he got game. He says that. and that Don't just take success to your head and don't, don't, let, don't take don't loss let, to your heart. Yeah, don't let success get to your head or a loss get to your heart. Oh, I think we need something. Yeah. That's what it is. That's a fact right there. Yeah. So... We heard we heard about Rax's ups and downs and and where he's at. How do you, as a as a touring artist, a uh, person who's recording music, how do you find balance in your life right now? Like, what is? What I is, have no balance. <laughs> <laughs> I literally have no balance. Not like I have extremes. That's crazy. Have, really, for real? I have extremes. Like I have extreme downtime. Or I have extreme busy time. Okay, so is like right now where you're at extreme busy? Yeah, so I'll, I, I'll, like before I left, I don't think I saw my mum for like three days. Is that a long time? Yeah. Okay. So I'll see her every day, but I didn't see her for three days before I left. And obviously, I'm here for a week, I won't see her. But then when I'm down, I'll, I'm at home. Like I'm a homely person. I'll be cooking, I'll be at home, I'll be with my nieces and nephews, I'll be, you know, spending time with family, whatever, whatever. 
And um, I mean, me and Khalid understand that about each other as well. So he'll be like, bro, you know, you know, I want, you know, he'll give me things that I need to that need to be right. done that are urgent. But so you're still trying to find that balance. You're yeah, I think so. I feel like it's difficult as a creative person having a switching off, especially when you work for yourself. You're literally never off. Mm. Like you can get a phone call in the middle of the night and you have to do something cool. You know, whatever it is, you're always on. You're always. I'm always thinking of another idea or another. What can we do here? Okay, don't forget, bro. We've got to do that. Like me and Khaled are always, always on the phone to each other, messaging each other because there's a million and one things. So this is a, a lifestyle. This is, is not a job. No, nah, not at all. Yeah. And I'm not mad about that at all yeah. either because I've had a job and I didn't like it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like the people that I was with, but I don't want to be... I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a worker. I need to work for myself. Out of all your travels, what's, what are some of your favorite cities? Well, New York for, for, for definite. Buck, 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 buck. Hold on. I was hoping you were going to say that. Because as New Yorkers, New Yorkers, we love our state, our boroughs, uh, our community, and, and we will rep it and wave this flag all over the world. Mm. Um, what are some of your favorite things about New York? What do you appreciate about our, um, our place here? I love the different places to eat. I love the people. I love the ob- obnoxiousness of people. <laughs> you feel like they're definitely more obnoxious compared yeah, to anywhere, right? They are. We're but, arrogant. But, but, it's, but it's, I like it. <laughs> I don't know why. Because you're such a calm, like, sort of collected person. Yeah. It feels like you would be like, yo, I, what's I like, up? With I, I feel like there's such a, you know, such a affinity, New York and London, like. Same. I've, Do you know yeah. what I mean? Culturally, like, we're so, yeah. so similar, I feel. I've never been to London. Actually, I let me take that back. I went when I was a child, and I don't remember it. Okay, I tell you the difference. Skip London and go to Luton. That's <laughs> but I, but I will say this: I, you mentioned this affinity, and I, and I, I feel that affinity. Yeah. Like I need to know what's happening there. I need to hear the music that's coming out of mm-hmm. there. And you went there. Tell me about your experience. Like I always want to know about it. London you know? is. I say the opposite. So I say so. New York is London, but with more crazy people and higher buildings. <laughs> okay, fair enough. You know what I love about London is I feel like they're way more fashion forward. That's 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 one thing I'll say. Yeah, yeah. More fashion forward and way more f- musically forward. More accepting of diverse, dope music. And not, I would say that, and not afraid 100%. to take risk. Yeah. Oh, musically, London like is. That's why I'm such a fucking phenomenal DJ. Because <laughs> literally, yeah. London has f- been in part fathered my style, and then what do I do? I bring it to all our crew, right? right? But London, I feel like London's my favorite, like one of my favorite, probably top three, top four in the world. Yeah. But you're New York to the core, a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. But yeah, like, New take York's... take New York out. I mean, you know, New York's New York. amazing. I've been here what, like, I think. Eight, I feel eight, like you damn near times. live here, bro. Yeah, I've, I've been. Here, I come. I feel like I come here like twice a year for the past like four or five years, and. I still feel like I haven't properly explored the city. Like I go to, and we go to different places every single time I'm here. It's never the same spots to eat. Let me in let the me know areas. if you want to go on a pizza tour. I okay. got you if you want to take it. Rack seats very healthy. I'm, no 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 no. When I'm here, I don't. Okay. <laughs> He's talking to me about GMOs, and GMOs sugar and stuff. And yeah, but when I'm here, it's like yo, I'll detox when I get back to England. <laughs> but when I'm here, load me up with all the sunset yellows and whatever <laughs> old you know um, added additives that you can give me, bro. <laughs> just just no, don't eat Subway here. You know. I I spent New Year's All the rat meat New Year's wings. New Year's Day I spent with Rax Which like my year started with Where'd that you, you, guys, you guys had a meal together? I just Yeah him and a bunch of people We just I, He was in town I hit him And I was like Yeah we're gonna go And we took him to Kabul 
Yeah, tell, yeah. tell the people what Kabul is short. <laughs> it's an Afghani R- steak. I was vegetarian that day. That was dope. Oh, that Are you was... still veggie? Hell no. 11 days. No. I failed. I failed. <laughs> that, you know what? <laughs> Sharad was like, yo, I'm on this health thing, man. Veggie, vegetarian. Bro, you know We're all eating this massive plate of meat and he's like with his little falafel on the side. <laughs> Bro, it's <laughs> terrible. The thing about Sharad is, is when he makes a change in his life or lifestyle, like mm. everybody's got to know about it. <laughs> so it's like, it helps me. It helps me continue. So he's like, yo, Juicy, I'm, I'm on this tip right now. I'm like, what's this tip? And it was like the most dramatic conversation I had oh, with him wow. in a long time. I said, yo, I'm vegetarian for the next 90 <laughs> days, bro. You got to 11, yeah? <laughs> I got to 11. And what I, I realized what was, I was doing is I was eating shit that I would normally wouldn't eat, like pasta, uh, more rice, more, carbs. more cheese. So like by the end of the day, I would feel like, like I'd offset the fruits and vegetables and like, okay, because I'm not having this chicken, I'll have this cheese or whatever. And it just, it made me feel this terrible type of way so if i could have did it by eliminating carbs and just going fruits and veggies it would have worked but for me it's just i just you know i like steak i like chicken so for me it's all about balance bro yep correct so that's kind of what i'm trying to do now yeah 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 so i think we had a great conversation today i'm i'm really happy with uh hearing and learning about you Rex and it was nice telling you guys stories that i haven't said i I definitely think we're going to see a part two but what what i really you know want to know about is what the future holds for you in terms of projects and yeah. musically, like where where is Rax going musically? I mean, I I've been blessed to to be, you know, just hearing some of your stuff, but mm. I kind of want you to tell. Yeah, I mean, uh, so the project's called Glass Ceiling. Um, I told Sharad about, I've told you about this before. Uh, you've heard some of the records as well. Um, the concept behind that is, um, I feel like I've done so much work underground, and people that kind of look and that are paying attention kind of know of me or know maybe a handful of songs and I feel like I've never done a project where I've focused on trying to hit as many people as possible with my music Mm. and glass ceiling I feel like is gonna lead me to break through a glass ceiling basically this is the project which is geared towards doing that it's me but it's me fully um accepting of everything that I am and everything that I want to do and not having any fears in exploring different genres, um, singing, all sorts of stuff on that project. So, yeah, with Glass Ceiling, I hope to kind of break through a glass ceiling and reach a different level of my career, basically level up. That's the goal with that project, which is coming um, this year. And then I've got a couple of other projects after that. I hate when you tell me this year. (laughs) What does that mean? This year means before... Before, before December 31st? Before, before August. Okay, before so August. soon, very okay. soon. I'll give you before August, but then there'll be another project after that. Which so is you done. got two projects? Yeah, with the other projects done. What's, what's the difference in the project? Glass Ceilings is, is an album? Yeah. Okay, how many records on that? Eight. Is Rewind on that? No. Oh, Rewind is not on that? No. What is Rewind on? Juicy, have you heard Rewind? Oh, Fire track. Thank you, man. Yeah. Rewind's a single. That's what we did with Sarvin, so that's just a single. That's just a warm-up. Uh, oh, that's just to kind of give the public something. Yeah. That was just something that me and Amma worked on. Really, really happy with that. Lion killed that production. So my... my um, Speaking of Lion, like, yeah. I think he's... In, I've just been hearing all this stuff as of late. Between, mm. I mean, what made you work with him? Phenomenal talent, bro. He's, I Is mean, he he's, young? Yeah, bro. Very young. I think he's 20... He's in his early 20s. Wow. Okay. So... Lion, I've known for a couple of years. Mum, shout out Mumsy as well. So he was working with Mumsy. Turn me on, you did. Yeah, Mumsy. That was Nish's record, right? That's Nish's record. There's so yeah. many. Fe- I mean, I'm just trying to keep <laughs> up with you. Being. Yeah, yeah. So Mumsy's, uh, Mumsy's, and and Lion have worked very closely together. On Absolutely. A few things. Yep. Um, Lion sent me, like he sent me beats from a while ago, 
and we always wanted to work. And yeah, we've got this song. My next record is produced by Lion as well. It's similar tempo and vibe, or uh, it's a, it's a little bit different. It's a, it's, a, it's he's got a sound, so it is his sound. But it's dancehall-y, yeah. tropical, yeah, yeah it's dope. It's, it's a little bit more chilled of a chilled kind of vibe. But um, he's produced my next record. We're hopefully going to be doing some more stuff. But yeah, he's just super talented, man. Everything that he does, I feel like he's, he 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 excels. He's got his unique sound and super super talented UK guy as well. So I just wanted to 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 kind of work with him and you know That's give him up. give him give him his props. It's amazing that you said you kind of wanted to work with him, where he's this young sort of like not as known producer as say like you are in your space of being a rapper, mm. but you've almost given him a new opportunity also to get more plays and just be heard by more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen you do that a lot. I mean, uh, Raves. Yeah. Raves is fresh. Like, I've never even heard of this kid. So Raves in the UK, he's he was part of PMG. I don't know if you heard of PMG. I have, but I don't know too much. So, the, so Raves, it's funny because there's so many people that have been around for years, mm-hmm. but then they'll stop doing music for a while and then they'll come back. So... I've known Raves for eight years, eight or nine years, and he did music way back in the day. Okay, I didn't see, I didn't know when that when we started. Yeah, but yeah, he. I mean, he's literally like a like a fresh artist now because if you're if you're out of the game for a while, it's, it's you're back to square the one. Point basically. being is what, is what you were talking about earlier about like kind of opening the door and kind of kicking it down to let others in. Mm. I feel like with that particular feature, nobody in on this side of town really knew who raves was right and then all of a sudden you're standing next to this guy Mm -hmm. you're on a record of his it's a good record yeah so you're essentially co-signing it and Mm -hmm. now because of that djs other people people in the scene are going to look at it and be like oh well let's look for some more rave shit yeah 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 like do you feel like that that's that's some talent that you bring to the table I, i feel like that is uh that's just a you know that's a byproduct of being on a song to bring eyes to it the rest of it is up to the artist right, right. so i'll i i can i can be on your record i can mm-hmm. um i only put, listen to it because Khaled sent it to me yeah i mean i can be on your record i can post you can i can post your record we can share it but the rest of the work is up to you now do you know what i mean uh, i believe that so, 100%. yeah i mean raves a hard worker so he's worked hard he's you know he, he he put that project together himself he's been the you know backbone behind it we've just kind of given him a little nudge mm-hmm. and, and i i think that that really is a testament to what you're doing out mm-hmm. here in the scene. It's almost like like kind of compar- comparison to Drake in, in hip-hop. Mm. I really believe that. I don't know if anyone's ever told you I, that. I, I feel like Drake does it. There's a there's an artist, Wiley, that we kind of mentioned before. So Wiley's done that a lot in the UK. He's mm-hmm. Anyone who's talented, he'll he'll co-sign them. He'll kind of bring them through. He'll, he'll give them a little nudge and mm-hmm. that'll, you know... They do all the hard work after that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, all I can do is kind of shine a little light on someone who's doing something that I think is good, and then the rest is kind of up to them. Pay it forward. Mm. Pay it forward 100%. Yeah. Mm. I think another one which I'm I'm really happy to see is you and Haji. Yeah. You and Haji. It's just like Haji's my, my guy, and Haji's, I feel like he hasn't gotten his credit as not well. Not at all, man. Haji's, uh, I feel like his podcast would be amazing. His story would be uh, amazing I was dying well. for him to do it, but yeah. he was supposed to be in town this week. But, I know, you know, man. Unfortunately not, but... Yeah, I've got a lot of time for Haji. We've done so many songs together as uh, well, man. Yeah, I got, I got a couple. Yeah, couple <laughs> we've we got a bunch of records, man. We're going to try and do more <clears throat> things together. I hope you do, man. And you know, we'll, me and Juicy and the whole squad with us, like in terms of 
influencing what other people play. We will make sure to stand by anything oh, you thank touch. You and keep, keep us excited. We're releasing music, man. We, we so much it. stuff. Yeah. Like, man, I'm going to keep you guys busy this year, man. I'm that's, you. Oh, can't wait, man. That's, that's, that's amazing, man. And, and one other re- uh, artist that you did something with is obviously on Rewind. You work with another U.S. Uh, artist is Amr Sandhu. Yeah. And we know Amr for years and just seeing his grind and even like two, three years ago when he was still coming up. He's still coming up. He's got a long way to go. Mm. But he's doing his thing and now you put you put him on your record. Yeah. And he's on the come up. Yeah, yeah. But he does a phenomenal job on this record. Like, Amr is how did super, that come about? He's super, super talented. Obviously, I had Amr, I think it was first on Double Ud. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That I was think that's, massive for them. Yeah, I think that's... Actually, no, 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 no. Me and Amr sat and talked about this. He was on uh, uh, this other record, Ud Jalia, I think. It was very, very first record that he ever did. And we mm-hmm. sat and spoke about this. Oh, you knew the record? I've heard the song. Okay. And I, I, I didn't connect that it was him. I'd heard the song and I was like, yo, this is a good record. And I didn't realize it was him. Uh-huh. So I think it was a DJ or producer's name on the song. Might have been Prana at that time or someone no, else? I think, it was someone, I think it was before that. I think it was someone else. He was working with some DJ guys, I think. I can't remember. He told me the story. It was quite interesting. But yeah, I'd heard him before that, but I didn't know that that was him. Um... I think he's super talented, man. Yeah, man. He's and so, so, and I heard his album um, with Prana. Yep, the first one. Yeah, yep. and man, I just think he's really, really underrated, man. And I was, you know, I think when we met each other at, was it, I think it was UDC last year, actually. Okay, okay so it's a pretty new relationship. We, I think we met before that, but we kind of connected properly last year. And I just, you know, we just kind of sat and I was like, bro, let's work, man. And then he, I think he actually played me something on his phone. He does that. Yeah, he was like, bro, I've got yeah, everything this. on his phone right <laughs> He goes, bro, I'm working <laughs> on this song. Yep. He played it to me on his phone. And I was like, bro, I'm feeling this. Email it to me, which he did. And then um, I think when I got back, I was with Lion and I had the beat. And I think we kind of, you know, half did the song. And I was like, sent it to Omar. I was like, bro, what do you think of this? And he was feeling it. He sent me a melody back. And I mean, the rest is kind of history. We kind of figured it out after that. But yeah, I, I, I'm really, really excited about having a song with Omar. And I'm, I'm hoping that we can get some more records done together because he's a really, really talented guy, man. Yo, Good dude man. too. Yeah, man. And, and if we if we start rattling off every every artist that, that <laughs> Rax has done a feature with or oh, wow. for or featured on his shit... That's like a, probably another four or five hour sure. podcast. Someone needs to put together a mixtape, bro, featuring Rackstar. Uh, done. That that's the name of the mixtape. I think you should do that. Bro. We're gonna do it together because I feel like there's yeah. a bunch of songs that have just gone featuring under the ra- Rackstar. Under the that will be so. Will you host it if I mix yeah, it? Yeah, hundred percent. I'll do it. All right. So uh, me and Juicy got to do the research. Yeah. You host. We mix. We put it out. Yeah. And, and we'll just make it. We'll make it happen. I'm loving that. I'm on that. So with that, Rax, uh, I, I greatly appreciate you giving us your time. Thank I you, think, Rax. Um, I think what you've done in the game is. Uh, nothing short of amazing. I see you globally. Um, I see you going way further. And uh, we wish you all the best, man. Thank we you, really, man. really thank you for coming Continue out. Continue to inspire people, man. Thank you, for man. Sure, man. It's a pleasure. A- anything you want to leave the listeners with? Any, anything? I feel like um, the gems have been dropped already. Bro. Oh, yeah. But yeah, thank you, man. It's a, it's, a, it's a real real pleasure to be here and to talk to you. Thank you. So we're going we're gonna to play a record on the way out of here. You, you want to hear a rewind or you want to hear something that no one's heard? What do you want to do? Bryce, your podcast, you decide. Not, but <laughs> you're, 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 you're our guest, man. And you know, us New Yorkers are not all rude. So oh, okay. I got, I got <laughs> rewind. The other side of New York. I got rewind queued up and yeah. I got an unheard of verse that no one in the world has heard except probably the inner circle. Okay. You tell I'd me what you want me to do. Let's play rewind, man. Look at this guy. <laughs> the promo shit. He's strictly business. And before before we play it, I just want to say thank you to the listeners again for tuning in to another episode of the Butter Chicken Podcast with DJ Sherrod and DJ Juicy. And thank you again to Rackstar for joining us today. Bra, bra. And you love butter chicken, right? Love butter chicken. <laughs> That's it. <laughs>
Stop for a second, rewind back The way back to you, let me find that You ain't got a text first, just reply back Let me know where your mind's at Gal tu luka ke na rakhi Menu dasi je koi teri zindagi chahe koi tangi Sachi, piyar tera sacha You know me, yaar tera pakka Tere nal pawa yari Lare tu la vina Kar diye gala mithiya Fukari tu marina Imagine we never met. It was all a dream. You never gave me the nicknames that you call me, and it wasn't in my arms that you would fall asleep. I look forward to seeing you all week. Let me, let me ask you. I'm being honest when it's hard to put you first in my life. There's no part two. You make me feel like there ain't anything I can't do. Like I can't do. Yep. You already know what it is, baby. Butter Chicken Podcast. Rockstar is here. We're here. Shout out, Khaled. Thank you so much. DJ Juicy, DJ Sherrod. Another episode yes, sir. in the can. Ending on that feel-good vibe. Hey. I love I love the pop stuff, I really do. I love the pop stuff, I really do. You got something else? Rax, you wanna let this keep rocking or what? I had to do that. I had to do that. Leave with the Jeevan Sati. No one ever sleep, it's the cousin of death. Everybody coming for you and you. He ain't just a feature rapper, this dude got bars. Say it with your chest and not under your breath. Dinner out of my studio, bitch. Licking only harder than my pens run out of ink. That only opinion I never wanted to drink. Music that I should share with that I'm content. I got a couple songs that I need to write. I got a couple people that I need in my life. Everybody wants to get a piece of the pie. But everybody's eating because I'm feeding them right. Menu jog, they super near on their knee. Rax, you kill this boy. Kill this once again, you're in tune with that Butter Chicken Podcast. Follow us on all social platforms. Juicy, where can they find us? At Butter Chicken Podcast on Instagram. I'm, feel, I'm vibing right now, man. You didn't hear this yet? I nah, just got this. Nah, this is crazy. We out. We see you next week. Peace and love, everybody.